greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. Underground. Nobody's ever seen him since. He becomes a myth, a spook story that criminals tell their kids at night. Rat on your pop, and Kaiser says they will get you. And no one ever really believes. Do you believe in him, Verbal? Keaton always said, I don't believe in God, but I'm afraid of him. Well, I believe in God. And the only thing that scares me is Kaiser Sose. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin, it's best film ever. My name's Ian. I'm Liam. And we have with us our perma guest. Say hello. Hi, I'm Ellie. And that is the whole crew. If only we had a nice, pithy saying that could describe who's around the table today. Mm. How would you describe them, perhaps, Liam? I'd describe us as the usual suspect. Oh, I see. Because <laughs> that's the name of the film we're doing that's today. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's very pithy. Not at all oh. something that was come up with moments before. Yeah. We the mic. It hasn't got the same sort of gravity to it. It does not. Uh. It does not. But I'm excited about today. Yeah, me too. I am. I am. I'll tell you what else I was excited about today. I went ahead and checked out our chart placements. As you know, I, I want to do. And, uh, Yes. like to do and found we've got some we were charting in some exciting countries well they're all exciting but we're charting in new ones to us and some old ones to us yeah so we were like i, I really wish i'd written them down in some saudi capacity. arabia saudi arabia today yeah. something like top 10 in That's saudi great. arabia i think we were number seven in saudi. i think seven sounds about right yeah. we're uh, i think we're still top 20 ish i could be wrong in japan yeah we're in germany we're number 17 in japan 17 Yay. in japan we're germany number we're 80 ireland Number 64. And we're tied with Ireland. Is it, is it France? Australia. Australia, 64. So Western Europe, Saudi Arabia. I love that. Australia and Japan. Thank you, you guys. <laughs> and, and, and here at home in, in, in the good old UK. And yeah. also number 54 in Mexico. In Mexico, oh. but not Canada. Oh. No. No. We don't like Canadians. <laughs> My face is twitchy. This is the full audio experience. Here. I just, I just looked at you, and all, all, all I saw was Canada, Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> I just saw flags coming out and everything. <laughs> so, thank you very much, wherever in the world you're listening to us. If this is your first time, or if this is your twenty uh, fourth. 25th! Oh, Liam! <laughs> we actually were together for a different reason yesterday. <laughs> and Liam knew what number we were I did. <laughs> and that somehow he's flipped. I think I got it wrong yeah, yesterday. You just caught me on the hope. I did. That's all right. <laughs> so thank you very much. If you wanted to make even more joy to our hearts, take two seconds and leave us a nice little five-star review on the Apple Podcast. You can leave us whatever star you like, but five makes us the most happy. If you can find a way to jimmy in and give us six stars, we'll take that. <laughs> but in the short term, we'll take five stars. So we had an exciting, fun kind of experience yesterday uh we happened to be guests on um nick and russ don't know anything yeah it was good as it turns out they know quite a lot yeah they do they're a good bunch of guys they are a group good group yeah they are (laughs) 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 this is why we don't do life (laughs) they are in fact a good group of guys and we were doing a three country uh podcast with them yesterday between the united states Great Britain and Greece, and Greece mm. all coming together. The internet is a wonderful thing. 
Yes, I'm being swayed a bit more on the old technology side of things. <laughs> 25 episodes into your podcast, you're swayed. I'm kind of on the board with this the internet thing. <laughs> People out there who don't know me, I'm not very good with technology. And actually, as soon as we're done this today, we're actually going to be on another podcast with friend of the podcast, Tom. So we're excited about doing that. Tom's Canadian, so, so no anti-Canadian rhetoric when we are okay. hanging out there. No Ellie. <laughs> That is the reason why she won't be on that. <laughs> we can't trust her anti-Canadian sort of sentiments uh, with 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 the. Uh, I love you, really, Canada. With, with, with the hosts, um, and so you can get a hold of us on Nick and Russ don't know anything wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Um, go ahead, hit that. I listened to it today. It came off all right, I thought. And then same with Pod Jerky. I imagine the time you hear this, it may be available there. If not. Hit us on our Twitter feed. And now it's time for the part which I had to call other shout outs. A lot of, lot of podcast love today. Um, big shout out to the Paul and Griff show. A uh, couple of guys doing film reviews as well. It's a big, big swimming pool with lots of options out there. Um, and they do a good job. I listened to their stuff. They did one on the whole Die Hard franchise. Oh, okay. And that was quite interesting. And I think next I'm going to jump into Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah. So they kind of cover all of them yeah. in one go. Okay. So whereas we do like the micro, let's zoom right in. They kind of do a bit more of a macro, let's look at the whole franchise. Oh, cool. We would be here for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine doing the Police Academy series. <laughs> oh, I, I, I wish I had like some of those vocal stylings that guy has. Oh, no. Right. That would be insane. Um, and then also Coffee Talk with CJ. It's another podcast. The Coffee Talk with CJ podcast. Uh, Drink Drunk Dead podcast. Mm. Friends of the program, big fans. They they, they really like the, uh, the the Disney one. Oh, cool! But they've just launched a Patreon. So go ahead, give them. If you don't need a Supernatural at all, give them a, a little look. What would um, the Disney one be called? Ian? Talking the Mickey, talking mm. the Mickey. Uh, Drew, who ta- gave us some thoughts on Speed last week, he engaged some more this week. So big thanks to that. Chuck goes to the movies. Always a big fan of Chuck goes to the movies. And then a couple of new listeners who've just reached out with some feedback. Thank you very much to Sunny Eclipse and Helen Pilcher. Big thank you, one and all. Thank you very much for doing, for listening, giving us some feedback. It just encourages us to do what we do. It does indeed. Thank you. And a chance for some more engagement. We are doing a special episode. We're recording it next week, Liam. Ooh. I'm hoping you, this isn't news to you, because you'll no, have to be here for me. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. We are doing a special roundtable. We're doing the roundtable round format again, which worked yeah. well the first time. We got a lot of positive feedback. So a little bit more specific, maybe, than the broad worst films ever. We're going to talk about someone who, who had a couple of bad films under his belt. I'm not going to say he didn't, yep. but brought us a lot of joy and a lot of fantastic films in Robin Williams. Yeah, Robin Williams. So I, every time you say Robin, I, I was the British accent. I think you're saying Robbie Williams, <laughs> which I would let like, me entertain you. Which I was like, which film would be best served by replacing Robbie Williams for Robin Williams? That's so funny. Robbie Williams is Patch Adams. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are out there and you want to get involved, we want you to get involved. So please go ahead on the Twitter or on the Facebook or even on the Instagram if you can get a hold of us and let us know your top five and please rank them. Your top five, Robin. Williams performances, we are going to include your picks in some capacity in that roundtable. It's going to be interesting. We will pull ours all together, and there'll be some disagreements, and there'll be some... some 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 tears shed, I'm sure, uh, and some and some punches thrown, but we will come up with our top five, and we get a chance to individually say what our number ones were and things like that. But we're we're, we're still give you the best film ever, top five or top ten or whatever it is that we the math comes out to, and we'll let you know how we did. And just generally though, it's not so much a countdown show. The majority of it is going to be a free flowing conversation about the talent 
that was Robin Williams. Yeah. I miss him. I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Such a sad ending. Yes. And a complete shock. <laughs> Speaking of endings that are a complete shock, let's talk about the usual suspects. As far as segues go, I'm well up with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm really quite happy with that. That's great. I set you up. <laughs> you did. I just went, I can, I can, I can riff off this. So uh, I think we need to address first off, there are some persons involved with this film yeah. whom there have been allegations made against and we understand uh, the process through which takes place. And the question becomes, can we still handle this as a piece of art? And that's the decision we're, we're, we're choosing to go down is go. This is a film that was made uh, with other people who are involved who haven't had allegations as such uh, about them or against them. And we go, can we, we're going to try as best as we can to separate that from the film that we're left with and go, based on its merit as a film alone, yeah. how do we feel about it? And that's not to discredit anything that's been said uh, against some of the persons involved in this film, but we're just going to go ahead and treat it as the sort of time capsule in which it is. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're just going to go ahead and look at a gr- I think a, a really good piece of film in The Usual Suspects. Yeah, it's got this um, low budget feel to it. Oh, it's got a very low budget feel you to know, it. And there's a reason for oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but I quite like the low budget feel to it, the, the rawness of it. I, I remember watching it for the first time and I thought, you know, with the stars that had in it, you know, I expected big, yeah. big, big budget. Yeah. Um, but it had this low budget feel to it. And I was like, it adds so much more to it. So I think I shared the story last week where I was doing a um, I was doing some of my teacher training. I was with this. I was uh, sort of you get put into someone else's classroom and they sort of you know um, babysit, for lack of a better word, and you train underneath their the supervision. And uh, to be honest, not, the person I was with, not very good. But <laughs> she, she did tell me at one point, make sure uh, she heard I hadn't seen Usual Suspects. Said your homework this weekend is go home and watch Usual Suspects, and that was the best thing I probably got from her guidance that time because I, wow. I came back going, great movie, great movie. And I think I've only seen it the once. I may have oh, only just okay. seen it the one time. So to come back and look at it a second time, this is quite interesting now to look back, knowing the whole picture, and go, how is that second viewing going to go over? It's one of those films that I think you get to watch it almost in a sense twice for the first time. The first time where you don't know the plot, yeah. and the second time where you do, and you're going, ah. Ah, so I'm yeah. hoping I get a lot of those sort of moments in this capacity. Um, so, directed by Brian Singer, um, who other things on his resume include the X-Men saga, many of the films involved with the X-Men, but not the um, terrible atrocity that was Dark Phoenix. Did you ever see that? No. The newest one? No. Oh, it's dreadful. Is but it? he did not, he was not part of that. Oh, okay. I don't think he did X3 The Last Stand either, so... Uh, but then they brought him back. It's weird. Uh, he directed most of Bohemian Rhapsody, although he was fired at the end of it. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Dexter Fletcher took over, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. And also Superman Returns, which I never saw. Is that the Brandon Ruth one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kate Bosworth in that? Yeah. 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 Oh, again. But he did that. Yeah. So he seems to clearly have sort of a superhero kind of thing that he links to over and over and over again. Apparently it's a 20-year anniversary of X-Men while we're on it too this year. Yeah, that makes sense. The first X-Men, which yeah. kind of, you don't get to any other superhero films. You, you don't get the MCU without X-Men. No. Because it was the first one that sort of do it on that scale. It was before Spider-Man, so, yeah. Well, I found out something quite new the other day. What's that? Um, Hugh Jackman wasn't the first no. No. call for it was, Wolverine. It was, what's his name? Dougie. Yes. Um, oh, what was his name? Oh, it's going to bug me now. Do Gray Scott. Scott, Scott. Doug Ray Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug Ray Scott, yes. Oh, and you can so see it. Who had a returning role. He was in, amongst other things, I think he was in, 
He had a he had a recurring role on Desperate Housewives. He was in Mission As what? Impossible. Now my ears have perked up. He was the guy who. Um, Oh, Susan Meyer um, mm-hmm. is is at the hospital because Mike's oh, in a Ian. coma. Ian, that's it. The character's <laughs> name is Ian, and so that's that's Doug Ray Scott. And so he was supposed yeah. to be. He was first shout. He was given the he, the part was his, but he couldn't get out of. He was scheduled for something. and couldn't get yeah, out. of Yeah, Mission Impossible Two. Tom Cruise wouldn't let him. Two off. or three. Two. Two. And Tom Cruise wouldn't wouldn't let him go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they kind of came to him, and he's the one who sort of was it him who pipped or was it Russell Crowe? Someone recommended um, Hugh Jackman at that point, and that's how that 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 kind of occurs. Yeah. So there you go. Come for usual suspects. Stay for your desperate housewives tie into <laughs> X-Men. Um, but Brian Singer had this writing partner. Kind of we talked about David Lynch. Yeah. Is David Lynch? Who did the who did um who did Girl the Dragon Tattoo? David Fincher. 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 I knew I wasn't quite right with Lynch. David Fincher, we said he's got his kind of crew he goes from film to film to film with. Mm-hmm. Brian Singer also does. So the, 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 his screenwriter is a guy named Christopher McQuarrie, who amongst other things has written Valkyrie, one of the things he did, uh, a couple of things he did without Brian Singer, but Valkyrie, Jack Reacher, Emma, a Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, the upcoming Mission Impossible, Top Gun Maverick, mm-hmm. also coming up, the Mummy reboot with Tom Cruise. Obviously, he's got a so link with Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise as well. The sound of things, yeah. But also, all those other things that Brian Singer's done, he's been kind of on board with that as well. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Uh, cinematography by a guy named Newton Thomas Siegel, who, amongst the other things, has done Apt Pupil, uh, the X-Men ones, Drive. Mm-hmm. Drive, good movie. And Bohemian Rhapsody. And the cinematography in both those last two films were, were outstanding. And the music's composed by John Ottman, but in a weird thing, he's also the film editor. Okay. And you never see that combination. Wow! He composes yeah. it and he edits it. So if you want to talk about editing with with, with like the score in mind ahead of time, or, or composing the score of what you know you want to do in an editing perspective, I mean that's, that's a huge amount of actually creating that. Yeah. So then the problem becomes if you believe in this thing called auteur theory, which is you know the director's thumbprint is kind of the singular greatest guiding point. Well, we can't really tell out of any of these what what's Brian Singer's touch versus what is Newton Thomas Siegel's or John Ottman's editing style or Christopher McQuarrie's writing because it's the same people and each time they're, they're kind of like a collective. Yeah. But the first time they did a big film, they were like 23. Oh, brilliant. Tom, uh, Chris McQuarrie writes Usual Suspects when he's 25 years old. Wow. I suddenly feel very old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, wow. um, Singer... Read a column in Spy Magazine a long time before he made this called The Usual Suspects. And he kind of, it was after a line from Casablanca. And he thought it would be a good title for a film and just sort of put just, it away in his brain. <laughs> and they were, um, I wish I'd remember the name of the film here, but they were asked at Sundance Festival, the one that uh, Robert Redford does yeah. in Colorado, I think it is. And they had written some film and it had gotten a lot of buzz. And they were saying, What's your next film? And all Brian Singer knew was he had this image in his head of five people. Um, by sorry, it's Christopher McQuarrie. No, I was right. It is Brian Singer with this idea, and it's the five guys in a lineup. And Christopher McQuarrie responds, "I have this idea based on what Brian was saying. How do these five guys meet? Yeah. That is the story. Five random guys in a police lineup. How did they meet? And that's all they had when they kind of were going for it. Um, and all the character names in the Usual Suspects are taken from um, people who Chris McQuarrie actually worked with." Oh, he worked for a law firm. <laughs> and so he took uh, all the names, including he worked for a guy whose name was and it's not it was like Kaiser Sope or Sole. Oh, really? And he's like, he changed it 
because he wasn't sure how the guy would take it if he actually named it the same thing. But I'm like, it's not like he went from like Kaiser Sole to like John Lewis. No, exactly. (laughs) Like, (laughs) if you're you're going to go halfway there, go the whole way. I don't think it's getting by him. I don't think he's like, oh, well, it's close, but it's clearly not me. Yeah. So, how much your mother? There was a great bit where uh, one of Ted's ex-girlfriends goes away and writes a screenplay, or and, and instead of being Ted Mosby, he's like, "I'm Ted Schmosby," and it's like that's enough to get around the legal ramifications. Um, and so Macquarie wrote it over five months, and then it was ready to shop around to the studios, but none were interested in giving him money except for this one European financing company. And they had a hard time getting it made because of the story's a little bit all over the place, of course. Mm. Uh, there's a large amount of dialogue. And there wasn't a cast attached because you really can't cast until you have money. True. But they went, we're not giving you money until we see a cast. And so, especially because the one person they wanted was, we want Kevin Spacey. And people would offer them money and they would turn them down going, this guy's not a star. He's just a character actor. Yeah. And uh, they went, no, we really want Kevin Spacey in this um, role. And so eventually, though, this European money was enough to get a cast to work. But they were all, they all had salaries that were way below their usual pay. Oh. Like so far below their usual pay. Because in the end, their budget came in at five and a half million. Whoa, that That's is it. low budget. That's it. If you think about who's involved, like Kevin, yeah. Kevin Spacey for like K-Pax or something, is probably making $20 million. Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne. Little Women. I bet you he made. I bet you he made five million on that alone. Wow. You know what I mean? And to do the whole film for five and a half million. When was this film made? Nineteen ninety-five. Okay. So twenty-fifth anniversary, oh, yeah. which is why yeah. we're doing. It. I should have yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. And so it was shown at a competition at the ninety-five Cannes Film Festival, and then it re- released in a few theaters. And because of how well the reviews went, it was given a wider release. And so to prepare for this, they had like this guerrilla marketing campaign, where on like. Um, bus stops and all that stuff. This the words "Who is Kaiser Soze?" Uh-huh. just showed up everywhere, and they tried to do the few the few kind of uh, TV spots it would get. They would say "Who is Kaiser Soze?" Soze? Soze? So the audience would get used to the idea of Soze, but all the actors just called him Soze. <laughs> <laughs> Soze and like all the, uh, but the Writers Guild of America ranks this as having the thirty fifth greatest screenplay of all time. And that's the writers themselves yeah. are saying the script written by a 25-year-old kid <laughs> is the 35th greatest of all time. And Christopher McQuarrie has said since they gave me the Oscar when I was 25 years old and I've spent the rest of my career trying to earn it. <laughs> True. Yeah. And I'm going, at 25, how do you look at this and not go, I've peaked? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Will I ever write anything better than this? Uh, it was shot in 35 days. Wow. That's it. It was shot in. This New York, film's got more credibility now. LA no, no, no. and San Pedro. I suppose if you've only got a budget of five million, you can't really go on for an awfully long time, can you? No. But it makes thirty-four million, which for five times its budget. Good. Considering Good. that one was supposed yeah. to be a big release at the time, but it's one of those films that was massive once it gets out on the home media yeah. market, and it's without question a cult classic. Because it makes so little money in its actual theatrical run, yet it's so highly regarded. And we'll talk about some of the, the metrics when we come back to the film after we've uh, watched it and we're, we're doing the, the, the deep dive. But that is where it goes. It wins two Oscars and really is upheld. I mean, it's 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 uh, we, we, we tend to use this word quite frequently. Maybe it's because of the films that we talk about. How could you not? Yeah. But you can't say that the, the story... <laughs> Is an iconic. 
So iconic. There are certain sequences in film which are larger even than the films they are in. This has one. And this is one of those films that I don't think, um, at the time, when it was released, I think even if you hadn't seen it, you knew the plot. Yeah. You knew the end. I'm surprised I got as far as... I, I didn't see it until 2011. Oh, okay. And I didn't know. Oh, okay. I think I knew there was something, but I, but I, I don't know how. And then once I, I, I found it, you start seeing references to it everywhere. everywhere. It was a big thing when I can remember being like 15, 16 at the time. And I remember it was a big thing to be talked about. Yeah. You know. So, Ellie, we've tried very hard to not yeah. go into any. We don't want to. How know. is your anticipation level going into this? Are you looking forward to it? I am, but in, I'm almost nervous because <laughs> you've kind of like refused to tell me anything about it. So, because Ellie's really been banned, she, she can't she, like the age game. She have to re- research no. that while we're talking about it. The and second normally half, I've got my phone open at the moment and looking up for fact check. We have said you're not allowed to even take notes during the film. I think a lot of listeners out there would would understand that the first watch. Is different to the you second. Could, you can only watch a film yeah. once for the first time. Yeah, and this is one of them. And it's one of those special films where once you yeah. know, you know. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and do that. And I'm looking forward to kind of... It's really fun to do this with someone who hasn't seen it before. So there's a lot of... But I do get the, the notion because when I saw things like Saving Private Ryan, not that they had big, 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 big narrative... Well, kind of, but not, not, not on this level. Or Jurassic Park... And they were so overhyped that I don't know if they could live up to it. I'm really hoping it's not. <laughs> I'm afraid we're doing precisely that. <laughs> it better be good because the last time you did this to me was uh, was for the prestige. So yeah, and that worked and that, out. That held up. Yeah, that worked out. So, but when we get to the metrics, we'll see. I mean, the, the, it was critically acclaimed. It's acclaimed by 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 people. It's it's. It is one of those few ones that everybody goes. And we were asked uh, on the podcast with Nick and Russ yesterday. You know, what are some of your favorite ones? We said there's a couple of bullets in the chamber, and this was mm-hmm. one I referenced. I went, we've got one coming on that has a legitimate shout. The, the Dark Knights had a bit of an easy ride. Yeah. Nothing's really, nothing, nothing's come within shouting distance of it, actually. Nope. And I don't know. I'm very curious to see how this looks when it comes out the other side. I know what I think I know of it, and we'll see if it still holds up. So that's it for our preamble. Uh, we will be back in the blink of an eye for us, a blink of an ear. <laughs> For you good people, and uh, we will tell you our thoughts on The Usual Suspects. So we'll catch you on the flippity-flap. The flip-flap. All right, and we are back from watching The Usual Suspects. I'm convinced I've only just seen it the one time, so watching it for a second time, I was like, I was surprised how much of this I forgot. Oh, really? Yeah. There's so much I remember. You seemed like you were, the whole time, you were kind of just going beat for beat. Yeah, this is great. Oh, this is great. Yeah. But you were fairly well controlled. I was, I was quite impressed with you. <laughs> you were, although as it got to the end, you, you sort of couldn't help yourself a little bit. It was like, well, it, was no. like it was like a puppy being shown like a toy. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was difficult. That was difficult. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen it for a long while, but I, as soon as I, the, I was seeing it, I was remembering. And, I was, yeah. and because I knew the ending... There was little bits I was going, oh, yeah, cool. So that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was that was good. On that note, Ellie, I mean, your first time seeing it, uh, did did they get you? Were you thinking Spacey was Soze? No, I wasn't. See, what, that's interesting. Because when I first saw it, I don't know about your experience, Liam. When, yeah. when I first saw it, um, I was convinced very early that Spacey was somehow the guy behind it all. They might not have said Kaiser Soze yet, but as it worked on, I was like, he's clearly Kaiser Soze. And then I kind of towards the by the time I get to the boat, I'm starting to head more towards Gabriel Byrne, 
and then I sort of stuck with him. And I, and I was like, I should have stuck to my guns. But I thought the the first big speech by Chaz at the end was like the twist, if you if you yeah, so, yeah. so to speak. And I thought, oh, I got there ahead of them. Ha ha ha. And then I found out, no. <laughs> no, my general consensus when I first watched it was I thought Kobayashi was that did, That did it in my mind, yeah. Um, because... He said, you know, no one ever meets him type thing. Yeah, he was, he's just a mythical figure who comes yeah. out of the darkness and then he could easily disappear back into it. And who can you trust other than yourself? Yeah. Do you know that what I mean? That was what I thought at first. And then I started thinking maybe it was um, Keaton, but I wasn't, wasn't really... I was trying not to sort of work it out because I knew, obviously, there was a, yeah. a twist to it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to overthink it because... I don't really know what the what I'm supposed to be working out or what's happening, so I'm just going to let it play. And it wasn't until um, Kevin Spacey got his belongings out of the out of the police station at the end when he got when his it gold starts watch to linger, his, you start yeah. going what when he's like one gold watch. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I I like you, I thought I was Keaton towards the end, yeah. so I thought it was Kobayashi all the way through. Oh, okay. Until, you know, I said to you, did you see the light on his face? Made him look like the devil? Yes. You know, the red light? That, that's a really good red herring. You know, red. Yeah, it was. Do you know what I mean? Because... Yeah, that was also really annoying when you said that, Liam. Oh, that's that. That I was, gave I was, me the red I, herring. I was sitting there, Liam, going, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. But I didn't give anything away. No, but you kind of double bluffed that way. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But, because that fooled me. Yeah. When I watched it the first time around, I thought, oh, maybe that's not Coerge. Maybe it is yeah. Keaton. You know, I thought, you know, he, whoever, co, um, whoever uh, Kaiser Soze is, he has to be in and around it yeah. to understand everything. So, yeah, I, I didn't ever think that was that was verbal at all. So let's talk a little bit. Let's go back to the beginning. Much like the film did, where we started briefly at the end. Yeah. And we've zoomed back to the beginning in what we call a circular narrative. So like our that. podcast is having a circular narrative <laughs> from the deep dive. A circular narrative. There we are. So uh, the inspiration, uh, I don't know if it's inspiration per se, but uh, Brian Singer did say uh, he had a theory in one of the DVDs uh, in the featurettes where he said there's a lot of similarities between... <laughs> Um, usual Suspects and Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. And he said, New York is Kansas, where normal daily life happens, and L.A. is Oz, where there's a variety of adventures and colorful characters, including Kobayashi. Uh, is he the man, or is he the man behind the curtain? Both hmm. stories also have endings that cast doubt on the reality of what the audience really just saw. Hmm. Because in Wizard of Oz, you know, you could go, it really was a fantastic magical journey, or you could go, she had a dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, which, which one is it? Yeah. It's not nearly as much. It's interesting if it's a dream, but it's much more plausible. Yeah. So um, we start, and there's the score. And I don't know. Um, maybe it's too much for one guy to do, the editing and the score. I wasn't, I wasn't that impressed with the title theme. The score towards the end, I thought, was really, really powerful. It was, yeah. Well, but, towards it. But that, maybe it's supposed to lull me, much like the water is, into a sense of false serenity. I don't know. Maybe. You're right, though. The soundtrack didn't really have much of an impact until the end. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, and so we have the opening, and we have the Chiron that says San... Was it San Pedro? It's San Pedro, yeah. San Pedro last night, and there is some flames, and someone's peeing on the flames, and it's a bit thick. Yeah. The urine's a bit, a bit thick. <laughs> to start with, I thought No, because was... this actually has purpose. That's why I'm bringing it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, and then Gabriel Byrne is out of it and says, I can't feel my legs. Kaiser, and we don't know who Kaiser Shose is yet. No. So this is a brilliant little, like, it's just incepting a little moment. We go, Kaiser, and we go, Kaiser. And they leave it alone for like an hour, 40 minutes it's maybe. A, it's the fact that he speaks yeah. as well. I kept going, is that, is that spicy? Is that yeah. spicy? <laughs> and then he's shot because it's 1995. You have to shoot people with the gun sideways. Apparently because that doesn't, that doesn't work. Apparently it doesn't work. But Pulp Fiction had just happened, so yeah. everybody was holding their gun oh, sideways okay. at this time. Okay, yeah. And so everything blows up. And then we cut to an interrogation. And it, this this shot's actually really quite poorly lit. It's like, there's like a heavy light. I guess it was the night before. It was <laughs> supposed to be. And yeah. Spacey's being put through, through, through the ringer. But then we flash back to six weeks ago, New York City. <laughs> and we meet most of the crew. We meet Stephen Baldwin, who plays McManus. Yeah. We meet... Kevin Pollock, um, who's the father on father-in-law on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which yeah. Ellie, you were like, what? Yeah, I, I didn't recognize him in the first shot, and then you said who he was, and then when I saw him again, I was like, oh, that's definitely because on, like on Maisel, like most of the characters are, he's the sort of elderly Jewish caricature in many ways, and then on this, he's just—it's just a completely different character. Kind of all, all, all together, well, as you would expect. But he's he's not like another character who we're gonna, another actor we're going to meet who seems to always play the type. I mean, he's, he's very much different in those two roles. Oh yeah. Definitely. What I like about and- Kevin Kevin Pollock is the fact that he's a very good support actor. Yes, he is. He, he, you know, you look through the nineties and the stuff he did. Yeah, he did some great well, stuff. Well, he was in City Slickers. Yeah, and he was. Um, Wait, no, he wasn't in City Slickers. He, he was, was in City Slickers too. Might have been Slickers. I can't remember which one. They blur the two with yeah. me. Um, he, he was in a lot of the 90s films, but always has really good, strong support. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, you're never going to see He's like, your go-to guy. You know, Kevin Pollock. <laughs> it's just not going to happen, is it? No. I think he's a director more than anything now. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and he's the explosions guy. And um, Kevin Spacey, who's doing the voiceover. So we, so we share the same sort of verbal space yeah. as mental space as Kevin Spacey, which is interesting because just as he spends the whole movie lying to the, the, the officers... Yeah. He also spends the whole movie lying to us. Yeah. And we trust him actually way quicker yeah. than the policeman does because we're trained when we watch movies. Oh, because he's narrator. If someone narrates to yeah. us, we go, like, even more so than, like, Joker, which I'll compare us to at the end. Even more so than Joker. Joker at no point is ever doing, like, a voiceover. No. He's always talking to other characters and maybe the camera lies to us, but the voice of him doesn't really lie to us. No. Also because he's crazy. Yeah. Right. Whereas here we have a, we have a narrator who's actively lying to us through voiceover. Even though the voiceover is supposed to be to the cops, it's a voiceover to us, and we're like, the, I have been trained over all my years on this planet to trust the guy speaking to me on the movie. <laughs> I think it's even more accentuated though by the fact that he is disabled and that he's kind of a little bit in the background of things. So it's, he's he's the most mild mannered of everybody. He's the most polite. He's the calmest. So he's that one that we moments. naturally. Yeah. Trust. And it's interesting how that little physical, um, little physical, I mean, it's only little in the fact that it's fake. Yeah. Uh, but how his disability here instantly makes you kind of go, <laughs> oh, I like him. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor guy. He just does. He's just a con man with all these hardened criminals. <laughs> he's trying his best, isn't he? I was just starting to think near the end of the film. It's interesting that they chose Kevin Spacey to play a character with a sort of disability like that. It's, it's an odd... Mm-hmm. Odd choice, and then they start. As he was walking at the end, I was like, "I bet that's gonna, yeah, gonna un uncripple." <laughs> sure so, enough, it did. And then enter Gabriel Byrne at the restaurant, and basically, what's happening is all these guys are being arrested. Yeah, because McManus has woken up in bed and he's getting arrested. 
Kevin Pollock's working at some scrapyard, uh, what is it? chop shop, I think yeah, you might yeah, call it. Yeah. And, and he gets arrested by a team of cops. But for, um, and we meet Benicio del Toro, who plays Fenster. Um, but, but we meet the big, the big dog here is Gabriel Byrne. And Gabriel Byrne is met and uh, by Chaz Palmatieri, I think his name is, um, who would be our lead detective, the customs agent throughout it all, who's been hunting uh, Keaton all this time and takes him downtown. And Gabriel Byrne said, actually, uh, the thing about the cast was the cast bonded really, really, really quickly on this You could film. see that. I think it has to for the group. Now, there's still divisions and stuff within the five, which, which we'll talk about. Yeah. But they said it was a really, really quick bonding experience. Because there's elements that I saw where they looked like off-the-cuff stuff. Yeah. It didn't look, you know, scripted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very, and there is some of that, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of slapping about and yeah. pushing and stuff. Who's the only character we don't see get arrested? Um, Virgil. Yeah, we, 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 don't, we, we don't see verbal kint no. get, get arrested. He just shows up. But because he's the one speaking to us, we go, well, we don't need his backstory. Yeah. He's telling us it. And we <laughs> forgive him that, but he's the only one. Yeah. So how does he end up in that lineup? You know, he's using his Kaiser Soze kind of links to, yeah, to, to yeah. sort of get him in there. And so, uh, so, and then there's the police lineup scene. And this is a great scene. <laughs> it um, is. And it ran into scheduling conflicts because the actors wouldn't take it seriously and they kept blowing their lines. You could see that. <laughs> um, and so basically what happened is the screenwriter, Chris McQuarrie, would feed them lines off camera. And then they had to, and they'd be basically given improvisational powers with, within it. But um, the big thing is Stephen Baldwin, whenever he would give his answers, he would never do the same thing like twice and would just didn't take it seriously and everybody would just break up and none <laughs> of it was being usable. And then Gabriel Byrne remembers, everybody was laughing so much between takes. Whenever they went action, they just lost it. <laughs> like I've, I've been part of situations where, you know, you're on stage and you're practicing and there's the, but imagine a camera and it's oh, yeah, action, you know, you're being yeah. filmed and you start, you start to feel your face kind of quiver and it you goes. You feel yourself got you. Um, Spacey said the hardest part was, again, not laughing, but he said the worst ones were Stephen Baldwin and Kevin Pollack. <laughs> be the ones who would always do it. And their, their goal was to get Gabriel Byrne to break. Oh, okay. Because he yeah, was, he was the that. serious actor. I can see that, yeah. He was the established one. And if they could get him to do it. And so they tried all morning to film the scene, and it didn't work. And at lunch, Brian Singer comes up to the group of five of them and tells them off, like, like a teacher <laughs> telling off the class. <laughs> Goes back to work. Now keep on. Brian Singer's like twenty five years yeah. old, right? And so they go back to work, and nothing gets any better. And Kevin Pollock said the reason why it went so bad at times is because Benicio del Toro let out like twelve farts in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time he's going action, he's just letting one rip, and then he's the he's the one going who farted, who farted. <laughs> and so I couldn't figure out who it was, but the the smell was just lingering. <laughs> So finally, Brian just went leave, and he's like pieced together like bits of of like the scene, yeah. Even from all the bad takes, it's why even if you watch it, like they're all just laughing in the background oh, no, it's because great. it's a, so you can say this is just the criminals not not giving you know the but moment that, the respect it deserves, but actually it's maybe the actors not giving it. But I actually think that adds to the scene. It does, and it, I think it's a sign of a good director, even a good editor, to go, I can make this work within the story I'm telling. Yeah, it might not yeah. be what I imagined, but this yeah. might be better. Yeah. Or at least they go, there's no point in doing this because it's not working. The thing I, I got from that scene was, even though they all got arrested, apart from verbal, um, I, I assumed they, were, they didn't know each other then. But in that scene, I got the feeling they all knew each other at some point. Yeah, I mean, everybody, we find out when they're in the cell, everybody knows each yeah. other through someone. Through some, so, everyone's yeah, got yeah. someone to vouch some for them. Yeah. 
So this is kind of where we start. Let's talk about Kevin Spacey a little bit here. And Singer said about the cast in general, you pick people not for what they are, but what you can imagine they can turn into. And the story goes, um, Brian Singer met Kevin Spacey at a party after screening his previous film, his first film called Public Access at the 1993 Sundance Festival. Mm. And uh, it won the Grand Jury Prize or something there. And Spacey was so blown away after seeing it, he said, whatever it is you guys do next... I want in. I want in if Singer's directing and if McQuarrie's writing. That's a combination I want to be a part of. And so I think that explains why they were so loyal, as we said in the early part, yeah. to making this film work with him. And in order to research his role, Kevin Spacey met with actual doctors who specialized in cerebral palsy to get an idea how he could physically manifest that. Yeah. And then they decided together that it let's limit it to one side of the body. Yeah. Because then it gives you that great reveal at the end. Yeah. He's he's movable enough to do to, to to do a lot of things. Yeah, but he's limited to do them well. So we discount him yeah. really easily. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. Uh, also, he's you know he's short and he's a little bit mm. thinner and, and all those sorts of things. Um, and so, um, Spacey and Chaz Palmate- Chaz Palmentary. I'm going to say that Chaz Palmentary. That's the, the pronunciation I'm choosing to go with. Okay. They shot all those scenes. The interrogation scenes were shot first. Oh, okay. So they shot that for six days. Yeah. Now, what do we say? It was a 30-day shoot? Yeah, about that, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's not much. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big chunk. Yeah. Is that is that sequence there. And then let's talk about Benicio Del Toro a bit. Oh, yeah. Because you like Fenster. You like that I, character. I do, yeah. What is it about it you like so much? I, I don't know. Is um, A, you can't always understand what he was saying. Yeah. Um, so you have to concentrate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the the funness of his character. Yeah, you know he's he's not taking things too seriously. Now, Fenster was written with a much older sort of uh, portrayal in mind. Oh, okay. And the 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 speaking thing wasn't a thing at all. Oh. Like it was supposed to be just like a, like a, a straight part. Yeah. And when Benicio del Toro uh, comes to it, they kind of wanted him for McManus at first. And he wanted Fenster, and then he made the decision. I want to barely be led, like like yeah, yeah. audible. And so um, Del Toro the singer, you know, it doesn't really matter what I say because at the end of the day, my character's purpose is to die eventually. That's really all I am. I'm, I'm yeah. just like a stop point in this. <laughs> so he said, what if I went really, really far out with my dialect and made it like almost incomprehensible? And it frustrated some of the other actors. And then Brian Singer eventually went, well, maybe your characters need to stop pretending like they can understand him and do the opposite yeah. and pretend like you don't know, which is why um, at the when, when they're on the holding cell and he says something, Kevin Pollack goes, what did he just say? Yeah. That's him ad-libbing because he just literally <laughs> couldn't make out what he was saying. And, and they just ran with it. But he, I was watching for it because I knew the fact going in. I'm just going, it's, it's delivered so well. You would have thought it was a scripted line. Yeah. So I've always got respect for people who just run with it with the that's, cameras that's on. good. Yeah. yeah. It's a definitely, definitely a different skill. Yeah. So much more than just acting. And so just generally that was a rule of all the actors throughout the whole thing was just when, whenever Benicio does this thing, just if you want to decide like you knew what he was talking about, run with it. If you want to decide you didn't know, that's fine too. Yeah. And just kind of go with that. And so we, after the, the putting them all in the lineup, we put them all in the same holding cell. Now there's part of me that's going, you're not going to do that, really, in real life, are you? And then the movie addresses that. And I went, okay, good for you for having some like yeah. you know believable logic. Because um, there's no way they put these five guys in, in, in the same cell. I think Gabriel Byrne even says, this is shakedown. There's no way they put the same five fellas in the same cell. Yeah. And the whole premise here is everyone's wanted to know if Keaton has gone straight. If yeah. he's no longer, he's a dirty cop at one point. 
and now he's uh, dating a lawyer and he wants to go legit. He's got legitimate business aspirations, but he feels that this thing that's happened could, could, could sink him. And if you consider now what we know by the end, you know, that this is um, Kaiser Shose through verbal kint. Yeah. Um, puppeteering all this. This is exactly what he's doing. He's getting him in the cell, so you have no choice but to do what I want you to do now. Exactly. Um, Good little scene, this. It's a great little scene. And <laughs> this is the bit where um, Fenster, Benicio del Toro, says, who stole the truck? But <laughs> he goes, what did you say? And then no one trusts Verbal Kent for a moment. He's very quiet in this scene, too. Yeah, very, very, very quiet. And it's actually uh, Keaton who vouches for him. As far as we can know. Because yeah, everybody, because... else, everybody else in this cell is dead. Yeah. So how much how, of this is true, yeah, we, exactly. don't. we so, don't. Let's just deal with it as written, and then yeah. we'll talk about kind of yeah. the ramifications thereof. Um, so McManus wants to arrange a job, and I gotta be honest, I thought Baldwin was killing it in this scene. He was brilliant. I thought he was so good here. You know when Kevin Pollock squared up to him? Yes. And there's one point where he's looking away, and Kevin Pollock says something to him, like as a confrontational. Yep. Not once did he turn around to look at him. Yeah. He just spoke not looking at him and then turn around once it diffused yeah. it was so good and they were so close because that looked like at one point they were going to kiss each other <laughs> <laughs> probably but not. it was it, no 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 but it was so good it was the tension was there it was good so back to the present day and we have Chaz as uh, special agent Coulion and the bodies and we have the FBI reveal and then this great reveal of the camera coming up from behind we see the burning boat from the previous day in the background it was a nice shot very good and then we have Den Hedia, who's making a second appearance on our list here after being yeah. in Clueless. Uh, kind of doing, you know, Dan Hedia light, but still the same sort of thing. He's kind of a gritty, he's a slob, you know what I mean? Like, he's not straying too far from, 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 from no. what he does. Uh, again, maybe tying into a different element of that character he played on Cheers, but still one and the same. And uh, we get that whoever he is, we don't know who he is who's being held. Uh, he has friends from up top, like way up top, who are protecting him. And it's amazing how quickly we forget this. Mm, yeah. Because we're told like, there's big, big, big people who want this guy protected. So we've cut this really low deal. And it's like, and then we forget all about that. I think because it's the man, of, it's, it's the guy with cerebral palsy. They also keep, do, do keep reminding us throughout the film of this. Yeah, the you fact know, that he's, he's got immunity. Deal, immunity yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but, but how weak he is, despite yeah. his immunity, doesn't really mean anything. It's funny because I never thought I was him at all. Yeah. <laughs> and so Chaz decides he wants to speak to him. And we have 27 guys are dead for $90 million, $91 million of dope that's not there. And he wants to make sure Keaton is dead. And this is our red herring. And Chris mm. McQuarrie said the secret to this was they needed to make you more concerned about is Keaton dead than who is Kaiser Shose. Yeah. That's the, if we can get people wondering more so about the invincibility of this guy, that's the real thing. So, Ellie, having just watched it for the first time, did that work? Did the whole is Keaton dead, is Keaton, Keaton alive? Was that the, at the forefront? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you merge the two and you go, he's, is he dead or is he alive? Because he is Kaiser Shows. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah. what I was kind of trying to work out it towards was, the end. It is well done, though, because I took the bait when I watched yeah, it. Yeah, I did. But also with Keaton, you've got to understand that. Um, uh, he's a very, I mean, Gabriel Byrne as, a, as an actor is very commanding presence on screen. Yeah. So to lead all that, you can imagine him doing that. You, you know what I mean? He, yeah. He doesn't fade into the background. No. You immediately watch him when he's on. Yep. Whether he does a look, a stare or whatever, you're looking at him 
and I think that's what gives you think, oh, Kaiser Soze, he's the, 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 the head of it all. I thought personally. it's also that I mean he's he's better dressed than the rest of them. Yeah. He's calmer than the rest of them. He's older than the rest of them. Mm. He's more Irish than the rest of yeah, them. Yeah, he's very Irish. <laughs> I forgot that Gabriel Byrne was Irish. Really? Until How? I, I think I've only seen him like Little Women because I think in Little Women he plays. He, yeah, there's always a hint of Irish. Is there, there. Is there there's always yeah. a hint of Irish. It's been a long time. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the last thing I've seen him in since since I saw him in this last time. So oh, it's okay. been it's been a while. But um, so we go back to the FBI and the hospital. And um, the guy who plays the FBI agent is actually a very young and very handsome version of I know him now from Breaking Bad. He is Gus Fring. I have not seen. He's Giancarlo Esposito, I want to say, and he yeah. plays drug lord Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. And and he would also play on Community. He is uh, Chevy Chase's character's half brother. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, just interesting little fact there. Oh, nice. Um, and he looks he looks small and frail now, but he looked like tall, muscular, and athletic in this. And like, what a jawline! I'm like, I I, I really did double taking. It was no way this is the same guy, but I guess wow. you know, 20 years will do that to you. Yeah. And um, he says, no, this wasn't about coke. And I went, well, one drug lord should probably know from two to another what's a, what's a drug deal gone bad and what isn't. And so as he's in the hospital, he's got this mask on. They say, he takes it down. They go, put your mask on. He doesn't do it. That's a fine now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't leave your mask yeah. on. You're getting a fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so the witness is speaking Hungarian and he's burned. Uh, he's wrapped. The side of his face is kind of revealed, almost like a little two-faced thing. Yeah. And he eventually gets more and more agitated and says, Kaiser Soze, Kaiser Soze, Kaiser Soze. Recognize yeah, from anything. He, he makes sure he says it like three times yeah, as the yeah. beeping gets louder on his yeah, machine. Yeah. The, the camera gets more close up to him. And we go, this is the first, and we heard Kaiser earlier, and we're starting to go, okay, oh, yeah. okay, there's a link there. Mm. And so back to the interrogation, and um, he asks, by he, I mean verbal can't ask for a cup of coffee. And they, they turn him down. And he goes, no, no, seriously. When I'm young, I get de- you know, I get really dehydrated as a kid once. I'm telling you, if I get dehydrated, my piss goes really thick. <laughs> Ah, and that leads <laughs> to the start. <laughs> and he speaks way more here than he did in that opening jail scene. Yeah, which makes me go. I, I want to believe the opening jail scene when they're all in the holding cell is pretty legit. I think you would play it low. You and let have someone a else element v- of truth and let some making lies. Yeah, and let someone else vouch for you. Yeah, I think that I think that, that explains yeah. how that happened. Yeah, uh, we don't know for sure, but that's the way I would choose to believe it. And so. um Chaz goes to Verbal and he says, Keaton was a piece of shit. <laughs> and he just very calmly goes, are you trying to get a rise out of me, officer? And the officer says, and this is great to come back to you without you watch the end of it, let me get to the point. I'm smarter than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you? Yeah, I know, right? And he just goes, I'm not a rat, which is perfect because it's not an intelligent answer. No, yeah. It's I'm not smart, but I'm loyal. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a rat. And it's that low-level kind of thing that henchmen do. Yeah. The mob boss wouldn't say this. The henchman says this. Yeah. I'm not a rat. I'm not going to flip on anybody. And there's this great shot as um, Chaz is drinking his coffee and standing up. And it's from like behind his shoulder looking down on Verbal drinking his coffee, like hunched <laughs> over it. Yeah. And we get put in the same. And so we're lo- just like Chaz is. We're literally looking down yeah. on Verbal and discounting him and seeing the power and the might of Chaz and the weakness of Verbal Kint. That uh, was just a really nice choice for that moment. And I guess at the same time, Verbal is looking up at the bottom of the coffee mug then. 
Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's picking that. He's picking up that that little piece of information. Yeah. The coffee mug that we will reveal later. Well, of course, we'll have Kobayashi on the bottom of it. Yeah. And so um, back to lineup day, and uh, Keaton they, they get out, and all the other sort of guys are like hanging around the perimeter. And Keaton is, um, he says, "I'm finished now. I can't be legit. You've ruined it for me." But he's not willing to to flop just yet. And uh, but as we're told by Verbal, he needs five guys to do the job that uh, McManus wants to do. Mm. And uh, Keaton is, is is the fifth guy, and Keaton's the guy with the inside information because they said they're taking down the New York, what was it, New York's finest taxi service. <laughs> and so um, Gabriel, so somehow Verbal makes it back to Keaton's apartment before Keaton does, because Keaton yeah, goes that, off with his girlfriend. Yeah, so maybe that, they, because she's a lawyer. I don't understand their connection. I don't understand their their relationship. What the lawyer and no verbal and uh, we just heard that they did they do time together. I think they did time. Together. He's very protective of him, but that's only because of the story he's telling. Yeah, like we don't know actually. You know, yeah, it, this whole thing. It's the thing. The whole thing. Could you just be, don't know. Yeah, it could be. Uh, may, may, maybe they've got police records that can place them both at the same prison. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Uh, and so Gabriel Byrne punches Verbal Kint, and he he goes, "No, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay." And then just to dig it in a little bit, I'll probably shit blood tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and this is brilliant though, because you would feel bad. You do, you and do. you would want to then. Yeah, I, I punched a cripple. Yeah, <laughs> and it does two things. If it's true, then it's going to convince, uh, or it's going to be a main factor in Keaton wanting to sort of emotionally pay back his debt yeah yeah and even if it's not true it's great for telling the police officer i'm just a weak little man who can't even stand up to someone else in a fist fight yeah i just take it and go i'm probably gonna ship blood tonight yeah and just it's it's okay (laughs) that's brilliant very good and so um and kit doesn't want to shoot anybody which is brilliant as well Mm. i'm the pacifist for a while anyway (laughs) And because McManus just wants to shoot everybody, I want to do it without without shooting. And we cut now to New York's finest taxi service, and it's a bunch of corrupt cops who sort of give criminals passage across town. Um, with, I guess, also the ability that no one can. How do you get across town? Well, you're not going to know. No one's going to think a cop's going to do it. Exactly. And they get four vans, and they punch out the window, and they light the car on fire, and steal some jewels, and steal some money, and off they go. Which was good. That was that was a really nice scene. Actually, I like that scene. Yeah. It kept escalating. I'm like, oh, you promised me no one's dying here, so, yeah. and then, but you could tell who everybody was, and that's what made it great. Yeah, like you could tell which one was verbal, and you could definitely tell which one was McManus, and thanks to the vocals, you could definitely tell which one was Fenster, <laughs> and you could also tell which one was um, Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Um, they kept going. Do you know who, uh, the, the guy in the back seat? Do you know? Who, oh, the cop was the cop at the front. Do you know who I am? And that didn't really work. And so they take the money and they screw over the NYPD, which was a little bit of a because they all had something against the NYPD yeah. because they all think the NYPD screwed them over with that original put them all in the same cell. Yeah, and we know that's not the case. We know obviously now, but it's it's Kaiser Shose who who, who manages to make this happen. Yeah, um, and so um, there's an exit shot of the uh, of the Twin Towers as they leave there that is. scene, and that was a bit simpler times. Yeah, I always forget. That's like. Whenever I watch um, Friends and stuff, I keep forgetting about the skyline. And then yeah. every time I see it, there's always that, oh, yeah. Uh, you know? It, it's, it, keep, it still evokes something in me. It's almost... I forget that it ever was a thing. Yeah. I forget that it was part of a New York skyline. Yeah. I think I've become re, re-acclimatized to the new New York City skyline. And um, 
when you go back and you see it was there, it's um, yeah, it's a bit. It still wrenches a bit. Do it does. Mean? It does. There's, there's an emotional impact yeah. to it. Yeah. And uh, just on a side note, the stolen emeralds were real gemstones. Oh, really? For the film. I mm, for such a low budget movie was that movie. was that was that wise? Prudent <laughs> choice. Maybe maybe someone went to insurance. Who so knows? how much did the film cost? It cost five million and <laughs> what were they emeralds? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, emeralds. <laughs> and so they decide they're going to go to California, and in the plot they're going to California because uh, Fenster McMahon is no a guy out there who they can move the emeralds to, yeah. and they don't trust the two of them as you wouldn't. Exactly. So they're all going to go to California. Plus, it's good to lay low for a while. In actuality, here's why they went to California. Right. Gabriel Byrne originally turned down the film, not believing the filmmakers could pull it off, but then was convinced by the powers that be, Macquarie and Singer, that they could make it work. But as the date approached, Byrne backed out. He was undergoing personal issues at the time and was unable to leave Los Angeles. So they moved the production... To L.A. Wow. To prevent him from backing out because he is the big star. Of course, yeah, back then. Yeah. So in order to make sure that we can keep Gabriel Byrne, we just move. We're not married to New York. Let's come up with a storyline reason why you'll go to L.A. Then you just have to shoot a couple days in New York and you're done. Clever. Yeah, really clever, I thought. And then back to the interrogation, we find out, it's just dropped to us, that Keaton died two years ago. People claim Keaton died yeah. two years ago. Yeah. And people who saw him disappeared. One... Uh, killed themselves and one fell down an elevator shaft which sounds like maybe both of them were somewhat suspicious yeah definitely regard. yeah because the one killed himself in the, in their car mm. yeah and again they're trying to make this link to kaiser so yes they? because it's right after this feel to right exactly and because right after this we have the first shot where they go to the guy in the hospital bed and they say describe kaiser Shose and we'll draw him yeah and so we're bookending these two all the time mm. to go this is what this is and then we're off to Los Angeles where we meet Redfoot. I um, like him. <laughs> I didn't. I do. I've seen him in other things and I don't know, there's something something about him you don't like, but I like him as an actor. I like his any thoughts on Redfoot? Not really, no. I thought he's forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Which, maybe because I've seen him in other things. Maybe, yeah. maybe just he's never like a, a lead lead. And we get the warning, it's so brilliantly told. We should have known better. <laughs> there's a second job. They wanted, at least they want them to do an extra job. And Keaton doesn't want to do a second job. Right. He was told one job. One job. And they're like, nope. And Baldwin is wearing the jacket that best typifies 1995. Yeah. Nice jacket. Short of being a Joey Lawrence eight ball jacket, this <laughs> is about the most. No, actually, I don't see. I went to, I went to, to, to bat and I, I put my neck on the line with Tyler Durden's look in 2000 you know, in, in Fight Club and said, this is still cool. Stephen Baldwin is not still cool. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I do, I do like this jacket. But I don't know what I don't understand is it's very distinguishable. Do you know what I mean? When you see it, so why use it in a job? Yeah, that's a good point. Do you know what I mean? It's a good point. <laughs> I never understood that. So and, I saw this jacket and thought, mm, it's a bit Tyler Durden. <laughs> oh, it was not Tyler Durden. No, no that, way. This was like similarly dated it was fashion. Like, this was like, Tyler oh, Durden isn't cool. This was like leather biker jacket. This was. <laughs> Yeah, but not like but cool not, biker no. jacket, like sporty bike jacket. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And this is where we go to the underground garage robbery. And Singer spent an 18-hour day on this scene. Wow. Which it feels like you should be able to get that in less than 18 hours. Hmm. Uh, and according to Gabriel Byrne, by the next day, he still didn't have all the footage he wanted and refused to stop filming in spite of the bonding company's threat to shut down the production. Wow. And it goes back. It goes badly. And so uh, there's a great bit, though, where both 
Benicio del Toro and Kevin Pollock have been sort of apprehended and are being held by two much bigger guys. And um, Stephen Baldwin manages to grab two guns and he's sort of looking at them. I love this and scene. And they duck down ever so slightly and he shoots both of them and stains the white van behind them. Do you notice how when um, he's, he's lining up, he's like taking his time? He's mm-hmm. like looking, he's, he's getting it ready. I love it. And Gabriel Byrne is trying to somehow, he's having a game of chicken with um, Saul, the guy's name yeah. was Saul. And Saul won't give him the case. He says, give me the case. And he's pointing his chest. No, give him the case. He's still not doing anything. He points to his head. Give me the case. And then someone shoots him in the head, but it's not Keaton. It's not mm-hmm. Gabriel Byrne. We find this verbal Kent yeah. who didn't want to do any shooting. And he looks pretty cold in that, in that mm-hmm. initial moment. He's yeah, a stone yeah. cold killer. Yeah. And then a couple seconds later, we see him start to show uh, he's, he's shocked. He's in a different world for a moment. And I'm like, I wonder if that's a hint. Yeah, I, think I wonder if we get a glimpse of the real Kaiser Soze. Because at that point, no one else is watching him except for us. And why did Gabriel Byrne hesitate? Why did he not? Because if someone's pointing a gun at me, you yeah. can have what you like. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to be... Well, if we go back to... If we zoom, heard it here first. If, yeah. if, if, if we jump forward to his last, the last words we hear him tell Spacey. Yeah. Tell... What was her name? Erin? Uh, Whatever her name was. Yeah, I can't remember. Tell her... Edie. Tr- Edie. Edie. Tell Edie, Edie I tried. Yeah. And I think that's what we see with Keaton. We see a guy who's really trying. Because I guess at the end of the day, he was a copper at the end of the day yeah. to start with. So he had... Well, at the start of the day. He only, <laughs> he only yeah. jumps in on the first gig... When it's against the NYPD, you screwed him over, he feels. Yeah. And he was promised there's no violence. Yeah. So he does this next one, and he tries to do no violence, and oh, someone yeah. still dies. Yeah, yeah. So I think we got a little bit of that going on. Yeah. Um, again, though, we have, we, everything's with a little bit of a grain of salt on it. Yeah, of course. Uh, and so, Not reliable narration. No, very, very <laughs> reliable narration. And so they get back, and they break open the briefcase, and it's just drugs inside. Yeah. There's no money. There's no jewels. It's just drugs. And uh, they get back, they find Redfoot, and uh, Redfoot says he got put in a situation by some limey, a middleman, who I guess is Kobayashi. That's, that's what I linked it to. Man, I got a whole thing about Kobayashi's accent when we finally come across him, but let's pause now oh, for no, a moment. Oh, no, yeah, that is not very... Yeah. And they want to meet Kobayashi, which is convenient, because Kobayashi wants to meet them. And Baldwin starts to get all tough with Redfoot, and then Redfoot flicks him in the face with a cigarette. That looked real. And Baldwin freaks out. Yeah, that looked like real... Yeah, that made me flinch. That, the cigarette was supposed to hit him in the chest. Oh, was it? <laughs> oh, so, so that is a genuine response. I thought so. Yeah. You could that, see that. That is Baldwin. I'd not, have done, I'd have not done impressed. Yeah, I'd have done the same. Get on your Baldwin <laughs> if you're listening. And so um, now we're back to the interrogation room, and our good friend from the FBI, Giancarlo, pulls him outside and kind of name drops Kaiser Shose for the first time. He's back from the hospital, mm. and so they go in and say. Who's Kaiser Shose? And Kevin Spacey just like loses it. He just goes, fuck. Yeah. And, and they go back into a story. And it's brilliant because, you know, you're kind of going, how, how, how many levels deep is this? He's not really upset. This is, this, is, this is exactly what he wants to happen. Or did it happen too early? Do you know what I mean? I don't think. Was he, was he hanging out for a bit longer? I hear you. But with a, a man with the control, if we believe all the backstories, yeah. including the backstory in Hungary. Okay. Of what happens to yeah, Kaiser yeah, Shose yeah. and how cool he is under pressure. Yeah. I don't think he's losing his mind at some U.S. customs official just dropping th- Kaiser uh, yeah. Shose. Okay, so do you think he, he acted that to show the, the copper that um, 
he's winning at something. I think he wants the copper to think he's, he's rattled, yeah, yeah. but he's not rattled. Yeah. But this helps you buy into the rest exactly. of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, and so enter Mr. Kobayashi back in the flashback. And there's a third job, and it's worth $91 million. And uh, I just couldn't help go, man, you've come a long way since being the priest in Romeo and Juliet. What is this guy's name? Pete Pete Postlethwaite. Postlethwaite. Yeah, you guys can go ahead and say that one. I'll stick with Chaz. (laughs) Pete Postlethwaite? Postlethwaite. Postlethwaite. Yeah. yeah, man, it sounds like, like a mouthful of cotton balls. Pete Postlethwaite. Po- <laughs> I have a list. Postlethwaite. He was in a huge film over here in England um, called Brassed Off with yeah, Ian McGregor. I, I have never heard of this film. It's about brass bands. Yeah, so, okay. so I love it. Yeah, okay. um, he was also it's... in Sharp and stuff like that. I've only ever seen him before in Romeo and Juliet. Well, you, yeah, going and he's such a Hollywood presence. Boys. He is. He's such a presence. I'm surprised he's not in more based on Romeo and Juliet and this. Like that's like two years. I think Roman and Juliet's 94? 94, yeah. And then this is 95, and then it's like, what happened? I think he did more British stuff over here okay. rather than... It's really funny to hear his accent in this, because in Brass Stuff, oh, he's got like a proper like common... What is his accent um, in this? Yeah, it's a northern town, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Because at moments I'm like, they called him a limey, but I hear his accent, I'm like... He didn't sound too limey to me. It's, it's <laughs> Kobayashi's a Japanese name. Yeah. You've cast an actor who doesn't look anything remotely close to Japanese. No. And his accent comes off... I felt at times it was coming off more East Indian Pakistani than it was... There was hints, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a mixture of stuff, I think. I don't know what was... No. But if you're trying to create this nebulous person you can't trace, yeah. we'll give you a name from one part of the world, a description from a second part, <laughs> yeah. and we'll give him an accent from a third part. Maybe it's yeah. a bit Grand Budapest Hotel, and they were like, just make up some random accent and do what you want. It was Grand Budapest. They'd just been doing their... I mean, Gabriel Byrne was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so um, we find out that Kobayashi works for Kaiser Soze, and Verbal's the only one who hasn't heard of Kaiser shows. When his name comes up, everybody else gets quiet. He's like, who's that? Which is brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant. Uh, and they have to explain it to him. And we find out they all owe something to Kaiser shows. They've all wronged him in some capacity. And they're given a briefcases with their bios. Not like a cover bio, but their actual uh, like yeah. criminal and personal record. And the they're given life. their envelopes in the order in which they die. Oh, yes. Fenster gets his first, then Pollock, then Baldwin, then it's close between Bird and Verbal. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It seems to be That's, Burn, yeah. That was clever. Which is really clever. Mm. Um, I didn't pick up on that, too. And we find out, uh, so they go, there is no Kaiser Shose, as what, um, is what he hears, and then he goes, who's Kaiser Shose? And then we cut to Spacey answers his own questions. So he asks in the flashback, who is Kaiser Shose? And then to the police, he explains... No one's ever seen him before. No. But he says, and the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I love that line. Which is actually from like a French piece of literature. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not original to this. No, 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 no. And Chris McQuarrie didn't realize he'd lifted it, but he had lifted it. But it's great. It's, it's a, and it works perfectly for it this. It does yeah. work perfect. And then we get the legend of Kaiser Shose. And so Shose's wife and family are taken by invaders and his wife is raped. And we have Kaiser Shose, but we see him from behind, and he has long hair. Mm. And Shose, rather than um, do anything, rather than bargain, he kills his own family. Yeah. To quote Speed, he shoots the hostage. Yeah. All of them. (laughs) (laughs) And the gimmick being that... um, Again, they're trying to build up this mythical guy that you can't... You can't... It doesn't matter who you take, because the, the thing they said was the difference between people who uh, who wakes in the criminal world is who's willing to do the thing that no one else is. Exactly, yeah. And that's the thing. I'm willing to let my family, not me, literally. Yeah, no. Kaiser Shose is willing to let his family die 
Yeah. Whereas everybody else, there was a chip. And we find this out because uh, Kobayashi later will use family and relationships to leverage them. Um, And a great, you had your favorite quote. Here's my favorite quote of the film. Okay, yeah. I believe in God. And the only thing that scares me is Kaiser Shose. (laughs) And I was like, nice. That is clever. That's good. Uh, And his character is based on John List, a New Jersey accountant who murdered his own family in 1971. Wow. And then disappeared for almost two decades and assumed a new identity and was eventually apprehended. Mm. And Kaiser Shose was based, like I said before, it was actually Kaiser Sume was the original. (laughs) So you're not really changing it that much. Um, I'm not sure I'd like to go on with the original name, though. Shose. Uh, I keep saying Shose, because that's what the Hungarians yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. And the actors kept saying Soze, Soze and they yeah. wouldn't. So I'm trying to be uh, as honest to the Hungarian side of it. <laughs> okay. That's what you get here. You've got people listening going, it's Soze. Yeah, I guarantee <laughs> yeah. you, someone back there is going, why won't he say it yeah, right? That's annoying me. <laughs> how, does, how does he have a film podcast? <laughs> Yeah, great question. If you want to ask any more questions, yeah. you can reach us yeah. at our Twitter at Best Film Ever Pod. That's at Best Film Ever Pod. <laughs> also, give us your top five Robin Williams performances. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Shose in uh, English to Turkish, which is what Chris McQuarrie found it. Shose translates as "talks too much." Ah, hence the verbal. verbal. Yeah, I talk too much. Wow, clever, mm. very clever. And he says, you can't protect me from Kaiser Shose. Because this is the first time that Chaz starts to go, we can protect you. And he goes, you can't protect me from the devil. Yeah. My guess is you'll never hear from him again. Oh, it's great. And then they wake up. And this was a bit weird. Because it's just reported. What happened? We woke up and fenced our left. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no scene where he can go, you know, it is great. Like, give him a great send-off. Have me like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, I'm going. <laughs> you can't flip me. <laughs> I'm taking my money. Because <laughs> yeah. we just get told he took his money. Yeah, left. yeah. <laughs> and then we got the call, and the call was to come find Fenster, and he'd been killed. Yeah. And uh, McManus wants to bury him, which was which was a nice moment, considering it, McManus was um, not happy with the fact that he left. Yeah. Um, and then he said, you know, you have to bury him. But he said, five years, we, we've been together, yeah. we've made money, uh, da, da, da. and he and Pollock really get into each other's faces. They do, yeah. Interesting fact about this. Okay. In the it. making of documentary, Stephen Baldwin and Kevin Pollock both admitted they can't stand each other. Oh, really? <laughs> and it began on the set of this film. Oh. Good job it was only 35 days then. Yeah. yeah. Though neither actor directly states what caused it, Pollock's mentioned since that Baldwin stayed in character offset and kept bullying him. Oh, okay. Uh, Baldwin admits that while the cameras were rolling, he bullied Pollock. Yeah. But stops short of saying that it continued after the fact. Hmm. I'm inclined to probably believe Pollock. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I don't but know. But you, would, you, would, you would think. You would. I found I found out some of the stuff on a great. He did a great episode of a podcast uh, with some great stories, and he just kind of just like dishes dirt on everybody. Oh. So even if it's, I mean, the real Kaiser shows is Kevin Pollock. <laughs> 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 He's regaling me with some great stories. I just hope they're true. <laughs> so I want to hear those. I, I can definitely make the link available. Um, cool. And so now their plan is to whack Kobayashi, which. Man, you've really got to believe that there's no Kaiser Shose for this to work. You do, don't you? And it's interesting because they, they kind of slow play this for some reason. 
So, uh, and just before we get started, though, they have these cover outfits, and most of them just mean we put on blue coveralls. That's their that's their cover outfit. But for McManus, it means I've yeah, got Steve the biggest Morgan. Coke bottle glasses that you ever saw, and the the, the fringe. Oh, and the fringe yeah. on top. Like, you're such a dork. I know. That's I'm great. like milky barcade or something. It's like someone went, you know, that red and black jacket's a bit too like identifiable. Went, okay, I'm taking this seriously now, guys. <laughs> None of the rest of you guys came up with cover outfits. And so uh, we have this great shot inside the elevator, as we would say in my country, or the lift. The lift, yeah. As you would say in this country. And uh, the lights go out for a moment, and when they come back on, Kobayashi's two bodyguards have been taken out by by gunfire. It's good, though, because the light of the gunfire is you see them get killed. Yeah. Which is, which is very cool. But then you don't see the bodies. You just see no, yeah, yeah. a little bit of blood behind yeah, them yeah. on the windows and the bodies aren't just there like anymore. like the blood on the van earlier yeah. Like the blood on the van earlier on. The splatter, yeah. Exactly. And so, um, and then they say, push it to number 20. Now, why don't they kill Kobayashi here? Now, in, in the world where this is a real story, yeah. why don't you kill Kobayashi here? Yeah, because you got him by the short curves. Were they trying to leverage him for something when they got there? I don't th- except for this is over. I think is all they were trying to get him to say. I, yeah. and they were to kill him anyway. I don't. I don't quite get it. No. Did they need any information from him? I can't remember. I, they tried to leverage just the idea that you leave us alone now, mm. and it doesn't work. So they get into a room and they go. Um, and Kobayashi. It's funny because everybody else is getting ready and, and they're yelling at him and they're saying <laughs> we're going to kill you. And I don't know if you noticed, he might look off to the side, but he faces verbal Kint the entire time. Oh, now, this that. isn't something I found on my research. It's something I noticed when I was, when oh, I was okay. doing it. Because I'm going, if I'm Kobayashi, if this is real, yeah. I'm looking at my boss going, are you really going to let him kill me? Oh, yes, yes. And he just goes ahead and he just, he just keeps watching him. And he keeps watching him. And he keeps watching him. And even so much so, like, your boss is one of the guys with one of the guns who's taking you aside. And you're going, are you really going to let him shoot <laughs> me? But they've arranged it and they've gone, I've got, uh, before, before you kill me, uh, Edie Finneran's in my office which is the girlfriend of King. Yeah. And he goes, you're lying. He goes, am I? And they go up to his office, and sure enough, she's there. there. Yeah. And this is where we find out that he's got dirt. He's got dirt. He's got connections on all of them. Mm-hmm. Even Verbal Kent, who's, it's like his uncle or well, nephew you, in you Arizona. Have to, you have to. Then, yeah, but it's cause... the only one that you would be like, you can't prove. He's in Arizona. Yeah, yeah I know. Okay, great. Yeah. But it's a good story. And so they, they, they let him go, and he just calmly goes back to his office, sits down, and just kind of like, Waves them off with his head. <laughs> badass. Kobayashi. He is, isn't he? He is. And yet she doesn't turn around. No. And then, Why would she? Because so, someone's entered the room? There is no room. There is no meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If you're in foot, um, maybe. Yeah. And then we go to the robbery. And I say this. I mean, we bust on this a lot. Is the pacing in this film not perfect? It is great. It didn't overstay anything. Nope. And we're at the boat. And I already know the boat's the big deal. Yeah. And we're about an hour in and we're at the boat. I'm like, great. We haven't overstayed anything. We're at the boat and Keaton has a speech with Kent. And Keaton says, if I die, I want you to take the money. No, I want you to take the money. And I want you to explain it to Edie. And please tell her I tried. Yeah. And this sounds like the character we've been led to believe. Yeah. Um, and then we have lots of explosions. And like, lots of gunshots. Yeah. Got to look. Got and then Pollock finds some money and is shot. And I'm trying, I was looking for a pattern here, but when he turns around and sees who shot him, there's a white light that sort of covers there it. There is, yeah. And that doesn't repeat for anybody else. Hmm. I couldn't understand that. I couldn't understand whether that was Spacey, because we were watching it for the third, fourth time. Yep. Or whether that was um, Kobayashi. 
I was thinking it's more Kobayashi. I don't know. It's interesting because I, I wonder why, the, why they don't show us that. Then. If, yeah. you, if Kobayashi's going to be involved, because if in you this, look at if you look at Pollock's face, yeah. it's a realization of oh yeah, you know. So I, I think I it's, think it's spacey for all of them. Do you? I do. I try to find it hard for him to be in different places Cause, at cause, once. Because the movie shows us that Spacey's the one who shoots on yeah. a couple of occasions. Not maybe not all of them, but they yeah. show us that he's there for a couple of them, right? Why do you do that and not then show us Kobayashi doing it as well? Because this is Kaiser Shose. This guy is a, is a figure of yeah, malice. Yeah, he's the devil true, himself. True, true, true. Yeah. And again, I'm going trying to go by the story that we're being told, and yeah. that's unreliable. Remember, so, yeah. And verbal yeah, yeah, can. Yeah. Remember, we yeah. told even when the first thing happens. Verbal's the man with the plan. Yeah, of he's course. the guy who just outthinks everything. Because I'm just thinking, where can he, how can he be in these two different places at once? But, but he's making, he's telling his, a story. All yeah. they know is where, where they found the bodies. That's exactly. All we can really yeah. Go okay. Yeah. I think it's him too. Yeah. And so, um, and but the next shot, so we see him fall, we see the white light, and then we cut. And what do we cut to? We cut to Verbal Kent hiding. Yeah. And every time someone dies, we cut to verbal kid hiding yeah. or somewhere else. So we go, can't be him. He's no. still there. Because yeah. the film doesn't lie to me. No, exactly. No. Yeah. That and, threw me. <laughs> and so then we find out they've cut to some little guy who we haven't been introduced to. But it's enough. It, for the first time all movie, we kind of cut to other people, mm. which is really weird. But we have this little guy. Uh, I had his name and I, I'll come back to it. I, I did write it down somewhere. And uh, he goes, he's here. I know he's here. Kaiser Shose. Kaiser Shose. At which point we then cut to Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne in red. Yes. Holding a gun. Yes. And you're like, and we've called Kaiser Shose the devil. Yes. And that's why that <laughs> threw me. Because yeah. I think you think at this point it's the reveal. Yeah. You're like, okay, this is it. No, I was like, yes, I was right. It is. I know. Because I'd started the wobble. I'd start because he kept going, okay, fine. I'll do one more job. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm like, no, nah, this, this is too... And so, uh, meanwhile, though, Byrne finds out there is no Coke. And there's a great scene when there's a bunch of machines around them. And it's just Gabriel Byrne and Stephen Baldwin yelling at each other, there is no Coke. <laughs> and he even sort of brushes him off with a gun, doesn't he, yeah. at one point. And, and McManus decides he's going. Yeah, I'm he's gone. I'm out yeah. of here. And uh, Verbal Kint is running uh, in as well as he can run. Yeah. As we see, and so it, 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 even by watching him run, we go, okay, he can't be doing this, and he can't be doing that, because I saw him run. Exactly, He yeah. couldn't do this. Yeah. And so um, the little guy who's hauled up, the door opens to his little safe house again, Yeah. and the guy who was guarding him appears, but then falls over because he's been shot or stabbed or something, yeah. and then we see that the little guy gets shot by <laughs> Kaiser Shose. Uh, then we cut to Verbal Kint freaking out yeah. at the gunshots. And then we cut to uh, Keaton, who's holding his gun, Gabriel Byrne. Yep. And we go, we just saw someone get shot. And now we see you with a gun. And then we cut to McManus. And for a brief moment, I'd be going, and he's coming out from inside the boat. You might be going, mm. oh, maybe it's him. But then he says, I, I forget what it was. It was a great line. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that's strange. Or yeah. something weird that's happened. That's the thing or yeah. something, wasn't it? And he just falls over with a knife in his back. Which in his was the, neck, I think. his neck. It's the first yeah. time that yeah. we saw anything besides a gun really being used in this. Yeah, true. We, so that's personal. We saw yes, we saw a knife get used when the home invaders kill someone in Kaiser Shose's house in the flashback mm. in, in the legend. Yeah, um, we didn't see this. Well, obviously, we don't see how that worked out, but it's, it's a knife for some reason. I'd really like to go back again and see kind of how McManus treats um, verbal kink throughout, yeah. and see if there's some logic behind the knife, mm. or. If you wanted to have your Kobayashi theory, yeah, 
it's different. And who was the one who was clearly angling to kill Kobayashi? Exactly. It was McManus. Yeah, it was, yeah. So you can have a little theory on that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Verbal Kent finds the van. And Keaton is shot by Kaiser Soze from a person standing above in a hat. It's very Dick Tracy-esque. A very Dick Tracy-esque <laughs> thing. And so all in all, there's something like five actors who play Kaiser Soze in this piece. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I don't know all of them, but I know that at the start, when we see the shoes and the urination, yeah. that's Brian Singer. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's really about it. As far as, obviously we have, um, there's another guy who plays the Kaiser Soze with the long hair. Yeah. There's another guy who plays Dick Tracy Kaiser Soze. Yeah. And then we have um, Brian Singer and we have, obviously, um, Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. And so, again, after we shot, we have a reaction to Spacey, and Spacey goes and hides behind the ropes. The same he ropes does. we did a slow zoom on at yep. the start of the film. And you're like, why are you zooming in on this? That would be our answer. And we never see him come out from there because, of course, he's not behind there anywhere. So we don't no. have to see him come out. But my memory of this was you could see his eyes through the rope, which is weird because you didn't. Yeah. But my memory of it was you could. Like he was watching it. And then we're back to... And we've caught up now because obviously we started with the death of Keaton and now we're, we're back to the death of Keaton. Yeah. And then we find out that the guy who was being held was a guy named Arturo. I had his name after all. Arturo. Arturo. And Edie was his extradition lawyer. And that's why she was in L.A. was trying to arrange mm. for him to be extradited back to the Hungarians because he's the only guy in the world who can finger who Kaiser Jose is. Yeah. And uh, then we have the case against Keaton as presented by Chaz. And it's great. He goes through all the ways in which he's like, well, he was my friend. And then we have like this montage of like Keaton like beating him up. Yeah. And acting selfish. But he was trying to, he was trying to get out. And he's like, okay, one more job, one more job, one more job. <laughs> and it was just brilliantly done. So good. And uh, Chaz is just in full out. And he doesn't die. And he is, say it, say it. Yeah. He's, like, he's Kaiser Soze. <laughs> Oh, feeding well into his hands. And so he goes, well, and the whole time we find that Edie's dead, so she can't even finger him. Mm. And there's a slow zoom in on Spacey the whole time as the church bells get louder and everybody acts well. Brilliant. He said, well, why would you do this to me? I'm, I'm a cripple. And he goes, it's because you're a cripple, Verbal. Mm. It's because you're stupid. It's because you're weaker than them. Well done. That is so good. And we heard it was all Keaton, and he goes, "Come stay with us. We can protect you." And he goes, "Protect." And he goes again, "I'm not a rat." <laughs> and then he gets up and he leaves. Yeah. And then you think this is kind of the end of the movie, or that you know maybe Kaiser. Sh- what do you think was going to happen here? You think Kaiser Shose was going to get him in the end? What did you think, Ellie? He's walking out. Mm. You haven't had that lingering shot yet to know something's gone wrong. Where do you think it's going from here? Is it just roll credits? Do we cut to Keaton enjoying his life somewhere? I don't really know. I was, like I said, I was trying not to sort of work out what the twist was going to be. So I hadn't really thought about how it was going to end. I didn't know how far into the film we were. So yeah. I wasn't really expecting anything. I was just going with the flow. When I first watched it and I see him get his watch and stuff, I thought, that's a bit too blingy for him. But okay, go with it. And um, when you see a perspective of the car, the Jag, yep. go by, I thought, oh, this is where he gets shot. This is where he gets done, yeah. Because yeah. he said in the interview room that, you know, he's going to get me no matter what. He's Kaiser Soze. Yeah. But once I'll he's take my his, chance. Once he's got his watch there, that's when you know it's him. Oh, do we? No, I didn't. Oh, the first scene, the most obvious thing when 
in the very opening scene when he shoots. Is there a gold watch? He's wearing a gold watch. I did yeah. not see that. And he's got his gold um, lighter. cigarette no, lighter. No, but like yeah. one gold cigarette because he drops the lighter at yeah. the start. Now, to be fair, you do better than I did the first time I watched yeah, it because I wasn't paying that much attention. I wasn't. Yeah, the gold watch was the main thing oh, I noticed okay. in that scene. Oh, okay. So the second he said personal effects gold watch, I was like, it's him. Oh, of, see, I didn't. I didn't. Because Kobe actually hand. pulls up. I'm like, he's just going to waste him. Yeah, I did. That's why. That's why I felt. I had that feel. Didn't off he goes, Being... and then we find out maybe Kobayashi now. Is, yeah, is or maybe he goes on the corner and picks up Keaton, and then he's done. You know what? I, see, yeah. I, I stopped thinking that was Keaton. I, I still thought that was Kobayashi. Hmm. Well, he does the big speech that Keaton as Kaiser shows it. It totally got me on board. See, that didn't with me. Oh, no? that, okay. made, that made me think no. Um, I, I still thought it was Kobayashi. If you're listening out there, give us a shout. Like, who did you yeah. think at this point is is? But before the, the 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 lengthy, if they threw you off the scent, if you weren't thinking it was Spacey, who did you think was going to be Kaiser Shoza, even at this point in the movie? Mm. Because there's a million different ways it could have gone, and I'd have gone. I'd have been happy with all of them. Like, there's yeah. not one that would have yeah. made me go, "Oh, that sucks," or that doesn't line up. You could have had you could have had it be Stephen Baldwin, and I, as long as it wasn't the guy who they buried, like I said, I'm okay with it. The reason I thought it was Kobayashi was because of the Jag, yeah, and English. I just thought you know, and he was the figure who came out of the darkness and just showed up, and no one really knew who he was. Yeah, and he's calm, cool, collected in no matter what circumstance. Yeah. No, you know, I hear so you. yeah, he really couldn't be Baldwin because <laughs> 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 he gets so angry about his partner. I mean, can you imagine someone like, like raped his wife? Yeah, yeah, it couldn't be him. No. And so the ending, uh, we talk, so Kit leaves, uh, and they think that they're talking between them, Dan, Hedia, and Chaz, that, you know, Keaton's not coming up again, but he's going to know we were this close. Yeah. I'm sure that's enough for Chaz. He'll know. <laughs> and so um, they start talking about the mess, and Dan Hedia says, well, it makes sense. You just got to stand back from it all. Yeah. Again, oh. that was another... Bomb drop it's, it's also when you started that. Oh, do you hear what he just said? Yeah, I did. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, sorry. I'm like, sorry. Liam, shut I up. Can't, I can't say it. <laughs> because I hadn't picked up that before. No, oh, no? Okay. No, I, that wasn't until this time around I picked up on it. I actually didn't hear what he said. So oh, okay. Because oh, I was looking I at you inside, I didn't really register. So I was like, I think we're okay. Yeah. But I was like, I can't sell. Shut up, or else it'll be like, it's a big deal. So I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just trying to play it down. I'm just like, look at you. Like, Come on. Oh, I, I got that. <laughs> okay. So in an interview on the Colbert Report, um, Kevin Spacey revealed that Brian Singer managed to convince each of the cast that they were Kaiser Shose. I was going to say that, yeah, because the way they were playing the characters, you know, I, I assumed that. But so much so that when Gabriel Byrne first saw the screening of the finished film, he stormed out into the parking lot and he had to have a conversation with Brian Singer for half an hour because he was so angry when he was not Kaiser Shose. <laughs> <laughs> That's and brilliant. so that's pretty much he gets into the jag well he does the hand and the oh foot. we haven't talked about this so yeah, we yeah, should yeah. we should there's a great I mean I, I know you're a big fan of Saturday Night Fever and the walking oh, yeah. sequence yeah. in this I think this is the greatest walking sequence it in any film brilliant. ever brilliant yeah and so we have the walk and he's doing the cerebral palsy kind of um, verbal kit walk yeah as he walks down the street and he's really struggling with, with his leg as he has been going down the stairs and the commitment to this and the frame of it is just the hand and the waist and the down yeah the legs and then as it can as he continues to move you see the leg and it's not even like he doesn't just snap no. he like takes a few steps to like get acquainted yeah. to it again and then uh but he then starts like walking a firm walk, and it's a power it? walk at yeah. this yeah. point like the, he's no longer verbal kin he is now kaiser shows yeah and as the Jag pulls up, he grabs the lighter, and he purposely puts it in his left hand, which until this point has been his uh, crippled hand. Yeah. And he sort of shakes it out of his wrist, because he's been doing this for 24 hours at this point. Yeah. And flicks it, and it lights up his cigarette, 
goes ahead and gets in the car, and without a word, off they drive. Mm-hmm. And that is more or less your movie. We get a quick flashback, as we because the whole time this is going on, the brilliant part is we've got audio of the entire movie's interrogation scenes replaying. Yeah. In Very mind. similar to how it happened in the big, it was Keaton, it was Keaton, but this time we don't have the video to go with it. Mm. It's just like a greatest hits audibly. And this was a bit of a thing, because when they first did this, <laughs> They shot it all the same way, but it hadn't been edited in a way that really had this pull to it. And Singer woke up, like I said, a few weeks before it was to be released and went, it's, it doesn't have the punch. Can you imagine going, this ending isn't going to have the impact I want yeah. to have? And it wasn't until they layered the audio they went, now it feels. Because you're getting the, like the, the facts done. come through as well, aren't you, of his description? Yes. So he's putting two and two together. And, he's and, going out to look for him. And there are some hints. So there was a long lingering shot on yeah. Chaz. Like he's supposed to be remembering something. He drops the mug. He looks at the bulletin board and there's all these. But it wasn't the big hints. It was things like I was in a quartet in like yeah. something Illinois. Yeah. And, you at know, the bottom of a board. <laughs> when I was in Guatemala. And I'm like, <laughs> it would have been much cooler if I saw, like, what was the guy's name? Red, red, red bird, red, red foot. Red, red foot. Yeah. Um, it's like, so that was on the name. Okay, fair. I thought we did, didn't we? That's, what? Yeah, we did see that his was name. On there, wasn't yes, it? that's what I'm saying. That yeah. was the only real bit of information yeah, yeah. we saw. We didn't see anything else. I would have liked to have seen the idea about you know um, Saul and the guy who got shot in yeah. LA, or, or the, maybe but maybe Kobayashi. those were Kobayashi. Of course, it, that's the big one. Kobayashi's in the bottom of the mug. But you did say like Guatemala, and there's Guatemala written across yeah. it, and the big. It was like all the little things, yeah, but things that weren't really essentially said convince me, and I'm like, you just kind of convinced him of like what that you were in a barbershop quartet. Is that really? <laughs> And for years afterwards, Kevin Spacey would appear in a barbershop quartet on the, on the Tonight Show, where oh, they wow. would sing barbershop versions of hit songs. <laughs> Isn't he also in a barbershop quartet in House of Cards? He, yeah, I think he might yeah. be, yeah. So it's something that he actually obviously has some sort of backing in, one would think. And so just with that, um, that's kind of how it ends, is that, is that um, Chaz is looking all confused, and we hear the last bit where he goes, I don't think you'll ever see him again. And just like that, and he blows into his head. <laughs> He's be gone, yeah. and that and that's where the movie ends, and it's a really powerful ending. It is a very powerful ending. Uh, so, just some hints that we all missed to Kaiser Shose. Yeah, uh, we talked about the idea about verbal versus Shose. King uh, Kaiser Shose can be roughly translated as King Blabbermouth. <laughs> we said verbal's the only one who doesn't get arrested at the start of the movie. Mm-hmm. We talked about the urine being, uh, it's described in the notes I found, as gelatinous and lumpy. Oh. I was looking, it didn't look gelatinous to Otta, me, Otta, it looked thick. I said coagulated. Coagulated, very good. <laughs> um, McQuarrie says, that we talked about it, instead of who is Kaiser Shose, you make him go, is Keaton dead, is Keaton alive? Mm. And that sort of substitutes... That's the hope that therefore you're you're taken by surprise when it's all about who's Kaiser Shose, which makes sense. Except for the, like I said at the start, their marketing campaign was who is Kaiser Shose. So it's really hoping they don't remember that once they sit down. I still want to say Shose. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't. I'm just being pedantic here. <laughs> you're fine. And I looked. I went back and rewatched it. But apparently, I'm going to try watching it again just to see. Okay. At the very end of the movie, on the left hand side of the frame as Chaz looks around for verbal kint, you can see the writer, Christopher McQuarrie, in the frame as a police officer. And apparently he is pointing at the camera and he is laughing. Oh, okay. As if the writer of the film is laughing at us, the viewer, for being sucked in by the story. 
Oh, that's clever. Which is a reason. So I need to go back I didn't and see that. find this. Yeah. It says it's right at the very, very end. So I might even go ahead and Google it and see if I can find the frame just so I know what I'm looking for. We should try watching it. And we just, sh- we, maybe, just see if we can find it rather than yes. someone tell us. Yes, I'm definitely going to go ahead. Oh, see if we can find it. Okay, yeah, we'll yeah, go yeah. back again. Okay. Just let's only like a couple minutes. We will, we will update you after, will uh, after about, <laughs> maybe next week and go, did we find it? <laughs> yeah. Can you find it? Let us know if you found it. Yeah. At Best Film Ever Pod on the Instagram, Facebook, or the Twitter. Twitter. Uh, and we talked about when the criminals are handed their envelopes. So, an interesting, maybe a little bit more drama from behind the scenes on this film. Mm. Gabriel Burns said that during one point during shooting, production was shut down because it said that Spacey had made unwanted sexual advances towards somebody. Wow. A younger actor. Brian Singer, who himself has been accused of sexual improprieties, um, denied that Spacey acted inappropriately or acted... Mm. Yeah, didn't act inappropriately. Yeah. Then Kevin Pollack <laughs> does a podcast... But in June 2018, I'll put the link for it in the um, podcast notes or something like that. Because I've heard the actual audio. Yeah. He goes on and he says, the person in question wasn't so much a younger actor as it was the boyfriend of Brian Singer. So Brian Singer had a boyfriend and had him on set. And then came back at the end of every night. He would always stop by Kevin Spacey's trailer and say, well done, great job today. And when he went in and opened the door... He found the two of them together. Wow. Now, at this point, Singer was very openly gay. Yeah. And was out. Spacey was not. Spacey was, had yet to come out. He only came out when, when the accusations yeah. were actually. Yeah. So he was closeted. So everyone sort of held on to this because you can't tell the story without outing Spacey. Yeah. So that, appar- that is the essence, as Kevin Pollock reports it, of what happened. Wow. And apparently, it, sh- it was only three days left in shooting. And for those three days, the assistant director had to shoot Spacey stuff. Wow. So I don't know what was still left to shoot, but he wouldn't speak to him. And the problem was, as uh, Kevin Pollock states, is that they're all convinced now the film's going... This film's going... Yeah, Yeah, it's going to go terribly. Yeah. Because they all signed on for less money than they were getting because they were all convinced this was the greatest script they'd ever read. Yeah. And they're going, this film will never actually make an impact because how do you edit this? (laughs) Like, I know he's not the primary editor, yeah. but as the director, you're sitting there. Of course. How do you look at close-ups? Yeah. And remember, it's not just one take. It's 20 takes of various scenes. You yeah. choose that shot, not that shot. Staring at the face of someone who you walked in and saw them doing that. How do you tough. do that? That's tough. It is tough. Credit to Singer. Yeah. And this is the guy that was only 25 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's even more impressive to yeah. have the maturity to yeah. handle that. Because it's your career on the line as well. Yeah, for some reason, Pollock on the on the podcast said, let me put it in heterosexual terms. And said, imagine someone like slept with your girlfriend. I'm like, I don't really think you had to put it in heterosexual no, terms. No, right? <laughs> no. I, sorry, I think, Mr. Pollock. I, I think I get it. Yeah, we, we, we got it. <laughs> um, and so um, as we zoom out a little bit here, um, Macquarie wins the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay and Kevin Spacey wins the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And I want to have a bit mm. of a bone of contention here to go, in what universe is Kevin Spacey a supporting actor in this film? No, he's the lead actor in this. 
Now it's up to it the It's him. up to the film to decide where you place actors. Yeah. What do you nominate them in for, for Oscar consideration? And maybe the field was stronger. Maybe. It, maybe he had a better chance of winning. But this does not if, if I'm a, like someone who was nominated for a supporting role in a film, <sighs> I'm kind of looking at this going, "Come on. Really? You spend more screen time with him and the narration. He's the he's the narrator. Yeah. He's your lead. I don't care what yeah. you say about Gabriel Byrne and the star power. This guy is the lead actor in this yeah. film. I think the only thing is that you're meant to consider him as a secondary part because he's just he's just the guy telling the story and the way that he's presenting himself it is as this this weak secondary the person. The only way this works is if you say there is no lead actor in the film. Everybody. Yes. It's an ensemble it's an ensemble, piece. yeah. But it's not an ensemble piece. We spend more time with him than anybody. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. That's just me. I don't know. Maybe I, yeah. no. So I, I agree. Do, I, agree. I yeah. do agree that he I is agree. the lead actor. Yeah. I just I think that's the only way you could position it. And I also noticed that on the poster, he's on the far oh, right. It's, it's it Gabriel well. Byrne in the center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. then you couldn't really put him in the center of the poster because it would sort of almost give away a little yeah, bit. Totally. Of Have him hold a sign that said, "I am Kaiser Soze." <laughs> 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 this who is Kaiser Soze? This guy. This guy seems insignificant, but actually, he's both thumbs working. Yeah. That's brilliant. So, generally, that is more or less it. I want to... Oh, I thought I had it, and I don't... I really thought I had that link. I will definitely put that up there. So, um, let's talk a bit about our end sort of stuff. So, best performance in the film? I didn't think Spacey was the best performance. Oh, really? Me. Who do you think no, was? No, I... Gabriel Byrne. It's the looks... Okay. It's the he's he had to be plausible as a red herring, and that's not yeah, easy. Yeah, no, and, no, and I and I totally understand why he thought he was, and that was clever because I don't think he could have gave that same performance. Oh, it's the kind of thing I wish I could do as a director once. You know, tell two actors they're both this, yeah. and just just to mess with them. Yeah, but not to, not for that purpose of that alone. No, 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 no. But to get the best performance out, get of the them. best performance out yeah. of them. It's it's what I yeah definitely. No. I know I know some people who might do things like that, <laughs> and we do. do it well. And we do it well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ellie? I think probably Kevin Spacey is the best performance. Yep. Um, but I mean, I definitely think that Gabriel Byrne is, is really good as well. Um, I'd like to give an honorable mention to Pete Possel. Wait, though. Oh, really? Pete I love Wait, him. Yeah. There's so many good actors in this. Yeah, actually. So it's really good. hard to pick one. Yeah. But I uh, think for me, I just love him because he was in Brass Off. So it's kind okay. of like a little bit of a nostalgia, like, oh, it's him. I'm going to go with Spacey as well. Okay. Uh, I am going to. I want to give shout outs though to um, Stephen Baldwin, who I thought was really, really good. I in thought this. he was really good in this. Uh, and uh, like- Chaz. I thought Chaz was really good in this because he's that arrogant, I'm the smart cop and you're the idiot. Yeah. I'm, I'm not just a local cop. I work for the U.S. Customs. Yeah. I'm, I've been chasing for two years. I know more than you do. And doing that in a way which is because we have to believe him yeah true. if we shut off and went he's a no, he's just a jerk he's a because li- we need to buy into that that final mm. that final false finish that it is gabriel byrne yeah and and in order for that to happen and then to be his because in many ways he's the audience surrogate true, true he's the one when he gets stunned we get stunned and when yeah. he's going what happened we're going what happened yeah and when he goes and he's gone he's leaving both of us yeah so I think a really good job. And that part was apparently written with him in mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, good shout. I'd like to give another shout out to Benicio Del Toro. Oh, he's good, isn't he? Oh, he is so good. I didn't like him. Oh, I love him. Uh, <laughs> so let's, uh, is there a best scene, best element, best something? Well, actually, before we do that, the unreliable narration. We've been sort of skirting about mm. it all, 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 all review. I mean, 
I mean, there's no way this is what happened. No. So does it? We asked it in Joker. What What does it mean if the whole thing probably didn't happen? In Joker, we said, what if he's just in the mental ward the whole time mm. and none of this happens? Is it still a good story? I think this happened. There has to be an element of truth. Well, there has to, to be stuff, like to be place you where you up. are. The boat yeah. still blew yeah, up yeah. and people were still dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's elements of truth. He was just twisting the truth. Okay. Um... Ellie, any thoughts on the unreliable? Do you, do you feel ripped off? It's your first time watching the film. Do you feel ripped off as a result coming out of it? Um, I don't think so. I'd, I'd really like to watch it again. I still feel a little bit confused and I'd, I'd like to sort of go back and... It's a tight 95 minutes. There's a lot in there. Mm. But yeah, there's not a lot that happens. It's really weird like that. Yeah. A lot of like dialogue. I, yeah. I feel like I became quite clear on it towards the end, but I'd, I'd like to go back and watch the first half of the film again to kind of solidify what what it's actually all about kind of thing mm. um, it's, it's interesting because I want to compare this if I made a fight club okay uh, n- n- as far as the unreliable narrator kind of goes I'm, I, I'm okay with the fact that it's unreliable narrator and doing yeah. whatever actually happened no I'm, I'm fine with that yeah because my problem with uh, fight club was I said when the twist happens which is the most interesting part of the film you've still got 25 minutes of film left yeah and I don't care anymore i don't care about the resolution no you need to leave with my mind blown and let me just sort of sit there and go what (laughs) that's a fun pun (laughs) mind blown he shoots himself doesn't he oh (laughs) i didn't quite get see i'm I'm trying to think of uh of this (laughs) of of usual suspects i'm like "Ah, what (laughs) but this they let you they find out he's kind of shows that you go wait what he gets in the car with kobayashi you're going what? And we're cutting around the copper. Going, is he not? Is he not going to get him? Is yeah. he not going to wait? And he just goes and he's gone. And you're like, it's a no. And, and you're kind of left there going, what did I just watch? And and it's credits. And you're going and you sort of are forced to deal with this. Because the bad guy gets away. Heightened state. And the bad guy gets away. And all these. But it didn't then go. Let's have twenty more minutes of no. explaining <laughs> to you why this happened. Or let's have like a, a police chase and let me get used to the idea that he is Kaiser Shows I know. Let me find out, get in the car, and then leave. And the guy who we thought was you know, we thought Kobayashi was like this figure of menace, mm, but he's yeah. just a servant. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a lackey. Yeah. So uh, that's a just driver. <laughs> Chauffeur. <laughs> so I guess what was really nice was the as the car pulled around the corner and you see the It slows down. Just oh so, so good. Oh cinematography in this film. It was, and if you consider the limitations of that small room, there were lots of sm- mm. like really small zooms and reverse zooms, yeah. and just ways to show movement without the luxury of space. Because of course, this whole thing takes place not in an interview room, so none of this is recorded. Nope. Like, they're looking outside, but it's not, it's not like yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. It's not so they don't have. You can't just get the image of him out there. No. They go, "Where's the cripple?" We don't even remember his name's verbal. Can't. Where's no. the cripple? Yeah. Oh, it's good. So uh, and even even when you look into the room, the the shutters are down. The the so yes. you can't see in yeah. there to see him. So I think the best bit of the film, I'm just going to say kind of blanketly, I, th- I probably believe it's 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 the twist. I mean, it's been called the greatest, on IMDb they did a poll, this is the greatest movie twist in movie history, according to the results of that. And I, I'm not going to argue no. with it. There's, there's other twists. I, I don't know how you rank them, but it's definitely one that I'm like, this well one, done. You yeah. nailed this. Yeah, definitely. Um, not my favorite. If we take... That's why I said I don't know if you'd rank it, but, no, like, no, no. but you got me. Yeah. Absolutely, you yeah. got me. It stuck with me all these years yeah. because of that. So if we put that aside, we go unquestionably best game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there another element of this film, another bit, another scene, another something of this film that you go, this is really, really strong? Um, yeah, the, the bit in the cell when they're okay. all together for the first time. Yeah. You see all the characters and how they are and how they're interacting with each other. 
um, Greg... even, even the distance between them yeah. all. And as they, together, they, they, they come closer together at the yeah. film. Yeah, that's oh, nice. Oh, that's clever. Love it. Yeah, oh. I like that. Oh, 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 oh Sorry, one more thing. Um, the guns. When um, Stephen Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin with the guns, you can see him iron it all up, and they're, they're struggling with these big guys. Yeah. And he's taking his time. And he's like, yeah, yeah, line it up, bang, boom. Yeah. <laughs> and just and there's that the, like there's no fear. This is my moment. Yeah. Taking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah that was good. Um, I was going to talk about the twist, but specifically about the way that his feet and his wrist change when when it's revealed. Um, but I suppose apart from that, some of the bits in the in- well, not in the interview room, but when he's being questioned. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so like that bit when he says about he believes in God, but the only thing he, he fears is... is uh, Ka- Kaiser Soze. Ka- I was going to say Kobayashi. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of... The little moments like that in the interview room, I think, are... Yeah. The bits that really solidify it for me. I guess I was going to go with... <laughs> it's almost just a cop-out. The fake twist... Yeah, the, yeah. The Keaton, because the camaraderie amongst the guys, I can do that. But, yeah. but the, the fake twist, where you think they've kind of told you what the, what the twist was, and they go, "Oh, the hunt, not yeah, really." Yeah, yeah. And so for for that to work, I mean, because they had you convinced, you have to sell Keaton, it. And I'm like, yeah. okay, it's Keaton. And even if if that had been the twist, I'd have walked out going, "Solid twist." Yeah. That yeah. Okay, great. Oh, I, I I defy anybody who knew that was that was verbal. Yeah. From from the first watch because. Yeah. I watch everything, and not once did I think. And that's because they're feeding you, drip feeding you, all these things. I almost wonder if it's impossible to get to to get to the usual suspects and not have someone go, "Oh, the twist is great," yeah. or "Oh, you got to see this," or "You got to pay." Is it possible for someone to still stumble upon it and give it a first watch, not knowing that in today's internet era? But, but that twist—I mean, you could have always said, you know, like you said the time before, he died. Keaton died. Yeah, and he and he's back. You yeah. know, so you see him get killed. So is the twist is. He's standing on the street corner. You could have done a million, you, don't, yeah. you don't know, do you? Thank God we didn't have usual suspects, too. <laughs> That'd ruin it. That'd ruin it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some cool tagline. <laughs> the usual suspect. <laughs> Not so usual anymore. <laughs> um, role of women in this film? Mm. Terrible. Yeah. There's not much no. for women to do in this film. No. Um, you know, we had lots of uh, representation amongst well, lots. I mean, we saw a fair bit actually. We had Kevin Spacey. I don't know his his ethnic background, but we had Kevin Pollock, who I believe is Jewish. Mm. We have Benicio del, del Toro, who is of some Latin descent, yeah, uh, or, or nationality. We have um, Giancarlo Esposito, mm-hmm. who played the FBI agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had. I'm assuming we're legitimately Hungarian actors playing those roles. And we had uh, Arturo. Mm-hmm. So, but we didn't really have anything for women except for she's the pretty blonde lady who represents my safe life. And yeah. She's just a, a, a poker chip. However, although the female roles were really limited in terms of their actual role, you have got a lawyer and a doctor that are women. So actually, perhaps your most senior. We well, have power brokers, professions. But, but what do they mean as far as the? Yeah, they didn't really have much. They don't mean a lot to the film. Yeah, but just the most senior professions that are represented are. It's difficult. Are women. It so that's a good thing, I suppose. Because I'm not sitting here go. I'm not sitting here going. I'm really clamoring for that to have changed. No. Because I'm looking at this piece of thing going, it, it, it works. Now, if you could you have cast a female character who would have done 
maybe, but then it kind of there's this camaraderie thing, and you wonder if you put a let's say you replace Del Toro with a female actress. Yeah, it changed the dynamics. I think there's dynamics that change the script as written, and yeah. so uh, I'm I'm as always. I think I think we're all really 100 percent on board with more equal representation. Oh yeah, definitely. And seeing more complicated female characters. I know even we we kind of regretted last week we didn't get more into talking about Annie and Speed and the role that she played mm. in that film, how she was yeah. very atypical for the 90s. But uh, I I see the cast of Usual Suspects and I go, it's just cast perfectly. Yeah. Is, is there a weak link in this? I don't think so. No. For such a small budget movie. <sighs> I would have liked it if they'd actually, tr- if, they'd, if they'd, I'd say trumped up, but that means something different in this country. If they'd, <laughs> if they'd sort of made more of Effie or whatever her name, whatever her character's name, the lawyer's Edie. Edie. Edie's character if they'd made more of it yes just as so she could so find out why he cared so much about getting back to her because she, yeah. she was just a symbol wasn't she and again she she's killed off off screen yeah not seen yeah. do you know what I mean well I think it's important that she's ki- I do I will defend the right that she needs to be killed off scene because we need to find out she's killed at oh, the same yeah, time yeah. Yeah, that Verbal do. finds out, yeah. I'm saying in finger yeah, yeah, quotes. Yeah. yeah, we do. And so his surprise is our surprise because we think he's our surrogate and he's yeah. not. Yeah. Such a clever movie. All right. So let's uh, think for a moment about rankings and things like that, ratings. But I'm going to give you a couple of critical thoughts. Are we not going to talk about our hates for this film? Oh, sorry. A bone of contention. Mm. My apologies. What, yeah. do you, what, what do you have? You can probably disagree with me on this, but okay. I didn't like the... The verbal breaking down, criny bits—that was too fake for me. It didn't feel right. Actually, you know what? Not his best acting. No, no, no. I didn't like that. I didn't like the fact that Finster—is that his name? Fenster. Fenster. Yeah. I didn't like the fact that he just went off screen and then no, showed up later. I, I I'd thought... like to have seen a bit more there. Give me, give me ninety seconds. Yeah. Give me something. Because he's, he's a hothead. I, yeah. I totally believe it, but let, let me see it. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's that we're. Does it take us out of it? If because he's he's got to be the audience favorite. <laughs> yeah. Does it take? Is it, is, is it too heavy if we see him? As long as we don't see him die, I don't need to see him die. No, I just need to see him storm out. Yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't Interesting. know. That's my. Anything else? That's my only thought. No. No. Okay. Uh, Fenster is my least favorite. Um, I didn't warm to him at all because I couldn't understand anything he was saying. So where you were saying that... It was a personal choice. and Yeah, so what you were saying earlier about how they they chose to do that on purpose and have the actors respond to it in that way. I I just didn't understand what his character was, so I didn't care about him at all. So when he died, I was like, meh. I'll tell you why I like it. I like it because you can see Stephen Baldwin, and he's so reckless, and you're going, well, at least he'll be the crazy one of his pig. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) (laughs) He's the level-headed guy. He's the straight man in yeah, the relationship. That's brilliant. My bone of contention is, and I think it's the theme around this episode, is the fact that because of what's happened with two of the persons, um, you say the usual suspects, and you go, mm. yeah. That's my bone of contention, is that we've got this piece of, yeah. you've got this masterpiece of cinema. Yeah. And we all kind of look at it with like this, oh. And I'd be ashamed not to still watch it as what it is, not because of who they are. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the question with any artist. And yeah. when we find out that they aren't the people we thought that, that, that they were. Mm. And, um, I think, yeah. And then you sort of, and all we know is allegations have taken place. Yeah. We, we, we don't know m- more than that. We're, we're definitely no. not in, in, in the um, business of doubting people who come forward. 
but all we know is that there have been allegations made. Has... And as a result, there is a black cloud over yeah. over, over this film. There's yeah. definitely a cloud, but there's no certainty. So I think it's okay to... Well, I, th- I think I, we need to look at it. I, th- well. I, th- anyway, I think you have to address it. It's also okay to yeah. look at it. And... Which is what we've tried to do. Yeah. Address go, it, but be sympathetic with it. Yeah, and, and go, we're still looking at this film for what it is. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and it is. I, I, I think it's a, a phenomenal film. Oh, I do. And Christopher McQuarrie wrote a brilliant script, and it was brilliantly acted and the brilliantly edited, and the impact is powerful. And hopefully, movies art is a form of escapism through which we can let ourselves. Now, would I be you know rushing out to to have Brian Singer direct or to have Kevin Spacey act in one of my next films? Probably not. No. But this thing that that exists. Hopefully, we can still put things on. And if you're sitting there going, I, I, "I'm not with you," I, 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 I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can understand that, but it's just a decision that we kind of came to about what do you do with these sorts of films. Yeah. And so we decided to give it a, as as much a look from the inside, zooming in on the film and kind of focusing on that. And yep. that's kind of where we're at. Yep. But my grumble, my, my bone of contention is it, it just sucks as a black cloud over this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is, that's all that's left before we do ratings is the age game, the age game. Let's all play Let's the age game. Do this. So Kevin Spacey. So you usually go first. I'll go first this week. Yeah, go for it. So Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. I'll say he's 40. I'm going to say 43. 36. Wow. No he way. Seems, he seems he's just got a very receding hairline. He does. Yeah. He does. The fact that we're older than him now. Than what he was oh, then. Oh, <laughs> um, Gabriel Byrne, Keaton. Oh, he's he's older. Fifty-two. Mm, Forty-eight. Forty-five. Wow, wow. You're going high today, guys. Ooh. I think it's we're usually so low. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pete Postlethwaite. Oh, he's oh, he's gone. Fifty-two. Oh, okay. It's going to be one's going to be low, one's going to be high. I'll go for fifty-three then. Forty-nine. Wow. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You know what it is? It's, it's, it's just the low budget of the film. I mean, yeah. it looks older than that. <laughs> <laughs> the makeup artist went, went there. Um, Kevin Pollock, Todd, Todd Hockney. Um, 38. 35. He is 38. Hey. Oh, well done. Ciao. Stephen Baldwin, Michael McManus. Ooh, uh, 20. Oh, go on. 35. Nah. 27. 29. Oh, wow. So, so almost a decade between them, yeah. the two who were fighting. Yeah. yeah. And finally, Benicio Del Toro, Frank oh. Fenster. Ooh, I'm, I'm going to go young. I'm going to go 23. Oh, that young. Yeah. I'm going to say late 20s. 28. He is 28. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I think you might have bested me in this. A <laughs> um, couple of things as we get rid of our ratings. Uh, Roger Ebert in a... I love Roger Ebert. I usually think he gets it right. In review for the Chicago Sun-Times, gave the film one and a half stars out of four. Writing that it was confusing and uninteresting. (laughs) Direct quote, To the degree that I do understand, I don't care. He also included the film in his most hated films list. Wow. What was he watching? I have no idea. USA Today rated the film two and a half stars out of four, calling it one of the most densely plotted mysteries in memory, though paradoxically, four-fifths of it is way too easy to predict. Uh, I disagree with that. (laughs) But as we said on IMDb, it's been voted as having the best plot twist in film. Hmm. So, our ratings time. Liam, where are we at? I think this is a bone of contention for best film ever. Okay. I'm going to say nine and a half. Okay. Yeah. Ellie. 
Um, it's gonna be interesting, actually. Yeah. I think I'm gonna give it an eight. Okay. Um, I would, like I said, I would definitely like to watch it again. I think if I watched it again, it might go up to an eight and a half, but it's not gonna go up any higher than that for me. I definitely prefer Fight Club. Okay. It's interesting for all my bone of contention and all that sort of stuff. It's just a, a weird one to watch. Mm. I'm gonna go, and I don't know what it would have been like if we'd done this two years ago. Yeah, I don't. I'm gonna go nine. Ooh. I no. toyed with nine. No, okay. Yeah. I toyed with nine, but I was trying to think of the bits I didn't like, and that just didn't warrant a nine for me. If I could do like nine and a quarter, yeah, yeah you no. know, I'd, it, it, was, it was that close. So actually, I'm sitting here with no idea. If this is now our best film ever or not. Because I know Ooh. 18 and a half gets it to that, ties it oh, okay. with Batman. But I have to look at the tie-breaking score. Oh, okay. Ooh. And I have to look at that. So the eight's going to come in quite significant. I think, okay. I think this puts it above the Dark Knight. Yeah. Do you remember what you gave Dark Knight? Um, I think I gave it eight and a half. I know Georgia, Georgia went low. So low. This, yeah. I think this is our best film ever currently. Okay. As it sits, which is, which is fine. Two very different movies. Yeah. Very, yeah. very different movies. Uh, I can't even imagine doing a masterpiece that was at 25. No. It's just insane. But the thing is, you look back at all the actors, there's not really a weak, weak actor in this whole movie. No. You know, I, I questioned, you know, Kevin Spacey's crying and weeping stuff, but I don't know if that was a... You know what? I think I'm okay with it in the grand scheme of things, looking back, because I know. remember when we watched Batman, my bone of contention was, you don't need to go to Hong Kong. Yeah. I was like, That's, this doesn't yeah. do anything for the film. Yeah. Besides... You get to show you shot something in Hong Kong, and it helps perform stronger in the in the in, in, the, in, that in, the, in the Chinese yeah. market. Yeah, this was just a, it got in, it got out, and it's it's brilliantly done. And I love oh. I love a well done script. Yeah, a well done script, yeah. and the, the cinema photography. I've got to keep telling you, but this is brilliant. I mean, the camera angles, the shots, the the visuals, everything was. I just interesting amazing. that both films won uh, for best uh, supporting actor. Heath Ledger oh, yes. is the Joker yes, and uh, Kevin Spacey here. Yeah. So uh, that's where we're going to leave. That's all that's left is to talk about what we're doing Ooh, next week. I have no idea. And as a little bit of an introduction, we're going to have some guests next week. George will still be away a little bit longer at our cool summer job yeah. situation. So we have reached out and gotten the, the big thumbs up because we had such a good time talking movies with Nick and Russ on Nick and Russ Don't Do Anything. They're going to come review the next film with us. Hopefully they know mo- they know more of a nothing when they come and see that film. <laughs> yeah. But we're giving it it's a bit of a different feel. Okay. I'm going back because I think we all enjoyed going back in time to look at this film okay. today. Okay. We're gonna go back in time a whole lot and then forward in time and then back in time and then forward in time. Back to the future too? <laughs> Not going back to the future too. Because next week, sometime around thereof, Bill and Ted three oh, hits cinemas. Brilliant. We are going back to watch the original Bill and Ted's excellent oh, adventure. I love this. The short, fat, dead dude (laughs) always makes me laugh. Party on dudes every time. Brilliant. So that is the plan. A little bit lighter material. Nice. And I will probably talk about how wrong I got Bill and Ted when I first watched it. Oh, I loved it. I I do love it, but there's just a whole thing there. So please join us next week when we go to the Circle K (laughs) and watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So for best film ever i've been Ian. and i've been liam and i've been ellie and over the past two hours we've gone inside and outside and all over the usual suspects and you heard a lot of our voice and then just like that we were gone we'll see you next time